death is not the end. Of the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back. Welcome to the new flesh podcast. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter. Joe Avella, baby. I'm back in the mix. How we doing? Sorry I was gone so long. Yeah, you were gone for two whole podcast weeks. Yeah, the series that I'm shooting that I'm making for uh, Insider, they got me traveling, doing a lot of fun stuff. But it's one of those like Sunday to Sunday sort of things. So like uh, it just the trip wasn't technically that long, but I left on a Sunday and got back on a Sunday. So I just couldn't have done two episodes. I had to miss two. And I'm sorry, everyone. But uh, I'm back and I saw Hereditary as long as well as a few other potential choice horror gems. I finally saw the Blair Witch remake, which we will talk about. And yeah, this is a little bit of a catch up. Let's go. I want to talk more about Hereditary because when you guys did your episode, it felt like no one saw it. And at this right. point, I mean, come on. If, you, if you're down with the new flesh, you guys have must have seen it at this point. And we and I and I have and I have opinions. Yeah, uh, I mean, the our favorite listeners, my parents, have seen the movie already. Mm-hmm. So uh, if yeah. they have, you can too. And uh, there's no reason Definitely. not to. It's worth your time. Uh, the, the movie's in its second week in theaters now, and it had a pretty good second weekend. It uh, We were all worried, or not we were all. I'm sure A24 was worried that the really terrible sure. cinema score was going to bring it down. Uh, and no horror way. movies are notoriously top-heavy anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, this weekend, I'm trying to find the tweet here. Um, it dropped only uh, – what was the percentage? It dropped only 48% in its second week. Which Word of mean, mouth. Yeah. It made $7 million more. Always, always wins. $27 million total now. And in 10 days, this A24 movie has surpassed all money that The Witch made. It's already wow. done more than that. There's a lot of crazy box office this weekend. The you know, the Incredibles too, mm-hmm. just had the biggest opening for an animated movie ever. Um, oh really? A hundred eighty million dollar weekend, dude. Uh, I tried I gotta to. Ple- I got I got to plead ignorance real quick because a I've never seen the Incredibles. Okay. And two, I only knew that it was out this weekend because I drove past the Vista that had it on the marquee. I mean, that's my life, man. Now it's like I didn't even know it was coming out. And when I saw Incredibles two, I'm like. Oh, I thought there was already like four of those. What am I thinking of? Uh, cars <laughs> or Toy Story? <laughs> Toy Story? Maybe that was it. But it's Uncrabbles too. I'm like, I guess sworn there was other ones already. I mean, I it's not. been talked about. For, this movie came out what thir- thirteen years ago or something. So it's been talked ago. about for a long time. It okay. kind of preceded all the big superhero movies that ended up becoming like what dominated the box office. So I believe the first movie made 70 million the entire weekend and the second movie just made 70 million on friday alone like it's just the the numbers are insane even even from like disney's standards which were you know it's a it's a disney pixar movie was supposed to make a lot of money but it's exceeding everything and uh, i tried to see it last night my thinking was if i went at 11 or 11 30 it would be empty because it's a kid's movie uh mm-hmm. no it was sold out at 11 11 10 and 11 30. Because everyone who was a kid when they first saw it is now yeah. oh, saw The Incredibles is like now an adult. You know, it was Brad Bird's first, and not his first big movie. I mean, it, would you consider The Iron Giant a big movie? Well, I consider it a big movie now. Everyone mm-hmm. knows and references and loves it. But I'm looking at Box Office Mojo, and that movie made $23 million domestic on a 70 mm-hmm. budget in, like, what, 1999. But, yeah, Brad yeah. Bird has gone on to do what? He did uh, Ratatouille was his next big one. And Mission then he, Impossible. Yeah, the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which is a great one. Uh, Tomorrowland, which bombed really badly. 
Uh, but he also he also like writes and consults and produces. Like if you look at his writing credits, I mean he's he's written so many like stuff for video games and short films and stuff like that. So dude keeps busy. Oh I'm my sure god, he's he wrote like the, a billion he, things too. Did you know he wrote Batteries Not Included? Yes, I did. I did not know that. And he worked on Amazing Stories, which uh, I love when I was a kid. I think they're trying to like reboot it in some way. Yeah, Apple, Apple's doing it or whatever. Yeah, I feel like they're gonna fall short. I mean, but that that was that was pretty exciting when it came out. When I was a kid, I really like whatever. However old I was in 1988. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I'm surprised that uh, I I just would have figured maybe I don't I don't know like I figured because Impossibles was such a, Impossibles. The, <laughs> Incredible, the Impossibles is a band. Uh, the Incredibles was such a huge hit. I guess I just would have figured like, oh, there's probably a bunch by now. I've been thinking of Spy Kids. Oh yeah, there's been like five or six Spy Kids movies. Yeah, uh, don't you think it's weird that Incredibles two is coming out like 13 years later? It is weird because especially because of like the environment uh, of cinema now and how it's all superhero movies. It's definitely like yeah. they could have made as many of these as they wanted. I don't know what the holdup was. Uh, I think Pixar initially was really skittish about sequels. They didn't ever want to do them. And then uh, they made, I'm trying to think of the first sequel. I think it was Toy Story 2. And then that one was huge. And then ever since mm-hmm. then, it, their whole model has just been like, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the hits and, and, and churn those out. But we'll, they still, you know, spend time making the, the, the one-offs, like the Coco, which, you know, might get a sequel eventually. There's only mm-hmm. one I realize I haven't seen now, and it's uh, The Good Dinosaur. I never saw that one, but that one had a lower profile than, mm. than, than most Pixar movies. Oh, well. What if Disney Pixar got into horror? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The end. That was a good good conversation topic. Uh, what uh, else? So, uh, what else is going on? You've been gone. Tell us how was. Yeah. All how right. Was all, it? Right, all right. I'll get to it. So before that, so for uh, any listeners that uh, just coming in for the first time for some odd reason, this is a horror movie podcast. Believe it or not, I know we just talked about uh, the Incredibles for too long, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, let me think here. So we'll talk. I think like we'll end up talking about hereditary and possibly. Sure. I know you sent talk. me text questions and I don't know if the podcast answered them, but the last week's podcast that I made you listen to. Uh, but I have more quotes from Ari Aster and stuff. to. Talk oh, great. About. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, I also saw a handful of other horror movies, including, like I said before, Blair Witch. I also finally saw Shin Godzilla and a. Hell yeah. And a Shudder movie, it's on Shudder, but I think if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it too, indie horror film called Dead Body. And among that, I've seen a handful of other like non-horror things. So what have I been up to? All right. Uh, I'm working on a uh, series with Insider slash Business Insider, and um, they had me go to – the episodes aren't out yet, so let's just say I went to the – I guess I could say where I went, and no, no, one's, no, no one's listening. No one at work listens. So. <laughs> I don't know. What's I up, Graham ch- Flanagan? Yeah, I went to um, uh, Santa Fe, and then I went to Salt Lake City for some shoots. Santa Fe, and, New uh, Mexico? Yes. Salt Lake City, Utah? Utah. <laughs> Had a pretty good time when I, when I was down in uh, uh, Santa Fe. Saw some colleagues of ours. Mike Noodleman was there, lives there now, so I went what? and visited him and his wife. Yeah, yeah, he moved there about a month ago. And, okay. uh, and it was cool. Santa Fe was really cool. I'd never been to the... Southwest deserty area had a, had a really good time and then went up to Salt Lake City, Utah, which I would have never have gone to if it wasn't for uh, the show. But I'm glad I did because Salt Lake City is actually cool and Utah Mor- rules. Dude. Mormon country. Yeah, Utah is yeah. cool, but I've always been skittish of uh, nah, Salt Lake. I wouldn't worry. 
I, I didn't really feel like a Mormon presence. I mean, certainly people were very nice, but if you like nature and if you want to go skiing in the winter and also see like beautiful mountain and foresty landscapes any time of the year, I highly recommend Utah. Uh, I got the feeling that Salt Lake City is like the most densely populated part of Utah. That being said, I feel like I was walking around downtown Arlington Heights. I mean, it was just like, yeah, okay. I mean, very clean, very nice, clean air. Uh, uh, if anyone was wondering, no, they, the alcohol is normal proof there now. Yeah, some stuff is watered down like in the grocery stores or I went to one bar and they were like, everything on tap is at the most 4%, So, I, but bottled beers are just the normal percentage. So I stuck to the bottles for most of the uh, most of the time I was there. So and, uh, weird. It is very weird. It's just a holdover. They like also a like don't sell after what, like nine or like? No idea. Yeah, there's like weird uh, time restraints and probably not on Sunday or something. Yeah, probably. We had early shoot uh, call time, so I was pretty much like in bed by 9 because we had to be up and out by like 6 a.m. for the things we were doing. So anyway, it was a lot of fun, and I'm excited for the episodes to come out because I got to do some really cool stuff. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, man. last we checked in, you were swimming with otters. That's right. And then the uh, Austin episode should be coming out soon and did some fun stuff in Austin, Texas, which I really liked. Austin's awesome. Love Austin going is there. great. I fucking love that place. Yeah. So I'll hit you up on – I've got two more trips left, and then I'll be back to a normal schedule. And I'm going to be – I think the next trip I won't even miss an episode. I think I'll be back on Saturday. But then the one after that's going to be another two-in-one where I'll definitely be missing one, if not two, Sundays. But I'll give you a heads up on that. Unbelievable. It's like you Sorry. don't even care. I mean, I could call in, but it would sound even worse if you could believe it. And also, I'll just be like in my hotel room being like, yeah, I didn't see anything. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. I had, I think last week's episode was fucking great. Uh, people have been responding to it very well. So Get I out of your comfort zone, Brett. Go. Why don't you turn <laughs> our show into what you're trying to do with the strangers from Twitter show and just start reaching out to all your Twitter, your film Twitter buddies and have them come out, out for, a, uh, for an app? I mean, it's working out last week. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. What have you been doing? How's uh, everything at Yahoo? Everything at Yahoo is uh, is fine. Same old stuff. No complaints. I have an intern now for the summer. Insanity. Insanity uh, that you should be <laughs> interning anybody. Uh, the Yahoo in uh, intern program is absolutely fucking insane in terms of like. I can we, imagine. We pay them so well. We oh, pay, I bet. We pay them well. We pay for their housing the entire summer. Mm-hmm. We pay That's for the them. We pay for them to fly here if they're from out time of town. Out. Time out. When you say housing, do they get to pick the apartment? Yes. So it's they fucking get fucking insane. I know. And if they don't spend what they get, which is very fucking ample, they get to keep <laughs> it. Uh, as someone who interned in LA for multiple places, unpaid multiple mm-hmm. years in a row oh, yeah i'm oh, yeah. very mad about it <laughs> like yeah. i like i'm like i'm very nice to her but i'm also like i hope you Fuck know how you. i hope you know how yeah. good you have it right now. it's so funny like i didn't even i didn't even do internships my internship was uh uh washing dishes and waiting tables Jeez. so it's fuck Fuck all interns. I can't stand when I'm walking around there. I'm walking, I mean, I don't do anyone in New York. I was walking around. Every intern at BI, like, I know what they get paid. It's the inverse. They get paid next to Oh, nothing. I know. I was one. So I'm yeah. sure it's just being like, everyone's just walking around being like, oh, yeah, you know, but my parents, they're paying for my apartment in Manhattan. And also, like, the credit card stipe. It's just being like, oh, fuck you forever, you spoiled brats. Yeah. Uh, no, that's why when I was choosing this intern, I felt like I had a... I had a responsibility to like pick someone who like, you know, would benefit from it and not like just be some rich person who like who lives on the Upper anywhere. West Side is living at home. Right. No, I found this uh, this uh, person. She lives in L.A. She goes to USC. 
uh, she the credentials were all there. I'm very happy with uh, with everything. I was I was I was initially a little worried about it. Mm. Everything's go everything's going great. She's great. She's very helpful, Terrific. and she's well compensated. So unbelievable. Good for everybody. Yeah. Uh, what else happened? Cool. Nothing really. I, I yeah, I saw Hereditary twice before last week. Uh, this week nice. I saw some stuff I'll talk about. I saw Ocean's Eight. Uh, which is out mm-hmm. now, and I saw Jurassic World colon Fallen Kingdom, which comes out uh, next week, I think, and I'll talk about that. Uh, and I also saw some of the new Warner Brothers studio comedy uh, tag. Based yeah, spoiler. On a... well, you not seeing the whole thing pretty much is a spoiler alert and how you felt about it. You know what? <laughs> it's really not, and I'll tell you why when we get to it. Um, okay. But yeah, besides that, Nothing really new. Uh, got some got some plants in the apartment. Some succulents. These cats. Oh man, my cat. I, we haven't had a cat corner episode or a cat t- okay. cat talk in a while. Lay um, on me. Laura Dern, mm-hmm. sweetest cat in the world. Uh, she has a problem where she likes to pee on stuff. Yeah. She pees cats on. Will do that. She pees on the rug in the front. I just yep. she, she peed on my bed yesterday. She peed Oof. in the drawer where Mandy keeps some of her stuff. Uh, she keeps peeing on stuff, and we took her to the vet. And the vet, the the what ended up being the diagnosis is very funny because it ended mm-hmm. up being she's like, well, I think Laura is just anxious mm-hmm. because Lucy is such a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like why? Because uh, Lucy just like you know eats faster than her and like is constant. Mm-hmm. They're, they're always playing around. Um, and she's just like, Lucy's just bad. Like Lucy will get into, if she gets into the cabinet, like game over, she'll eat everything in there. And I feel mm-hmm. like, uh, she was like, does Laura like, you know, look in the window all day and like want to go outside. And I'm like, yeah, she's always trying to go outside. She's like, well, maybe she suggested I get a harness and like walk my cat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, heads up on that. We, we have harnesses or a Moga one. Yeah. And both of our cats are always trying to like either poke their heads outside or, or gorilla was an outdoor cat when Mo. Yeah. Before Mo and I met, dude, the harness like cats fucking hate that shit. I know. Like, they, they, you put it on and they just they don't like it. Well, the one I had, work, my old know? cat in college, we tried that and he just you know we, he was being yeah. dragged like by the the, yep. by the harness like he wouldn't do anything. But I want to get one just to try it with Laura because she does seem like she would maybe be into it. But the funny thing she said was we may have to medicate Lucy to make her calmer uh-huh. so Laura is thus not anxious. <laughs> so it was just so funny to me that like we may have to drug the one cat that's not having problems because the other cat's having problems. Also, I'm going to yeah, get possibly, a, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's a whole it's just a crazy thing and I wish you would stop peeing on stuff. That's We well, really should also work on if uh which one's the crazier one? Lucy. You should maybe like uh lock Lucy in your bedroom and let uh Wait, let Laura me, walk around. Yeah, let me let me use terms you understand. Uh Lucy is Tuxy and Laura uh-huh. is butterscotch. All right, so put uh you know what I would say like separate the two of them. Right. And whichever one is more anxious, give her more of the apartment and just kinda like try and do that for a couple hours. Just let them like Yeah, well we we give her uh, give her some time to just kind of chill out. You know, it's a lot. A lot of it has to do with feeding time, I would imagine, because like it's a chaos. Right. So now we do feed them in separate rooms. I now have yep. two litter boxes set up. So like it, we're trying mm-hmm. to alleviate the problem, but it's she's still doing it, and it's clearly just like a like an anxious thing or like a I, I don't know. Cats just do that. Some cats just like like to. It's not even like giant pisses. It's just like a little spurt here. Yeah, a little squirt now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I've had like. Um, and you should also like, um, try and just take the, uh, uh, the one that wants to go outside, like 
just hold, just pick her up and just walk out the apartment. And like, I mean, she's not going to jump out of your arms really. And even if she did, she's not going to run. She'll be too terrified. Like just like take her. Like I do that sometimes with gorilla. I'll just pick her up and like walk out of the porch or like walk out in the yeah, hallway. We have a backyard. Like, or just, yeah, kind of like, it kind of like just like chills them out to like take them out. And cause they're also, here's the thing they're like, they're all terrified of the outside. They're all like, yeah, you know, if they haven't been outside ever or for a very long time, they're just going to like try and get out. And the second they get out, they'll just stand there and be fucking overwhelmed. Well, that's what happened. Like, so if yeah. my, my roommate often, when he goes to smoke a cigarette or something, will like leave the, mm-hmm. the window open. So like, if yeah. I, so I'll come out and like Laura's just sitting on the fire escape. Like yeah, she's yeah. not going anywhere. She's just yeah. sitting there. And then, oh, the fire escape's good too. If you can put down like a like, like a little like rug or like something down there, like so it isn't because I'm the fire escape. Like they have those big gaps in the grates. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want her like, if you leg just, like, to fall if, through. Yeah, if you could just like set up a thing where like, because she's not gonna like go in the fire escape and like jump off. She'll just like stay in that area because it's hard to go anywhere. Like that could be just like to get her used to kind of just going up there and like when it's nice out and like you sit up there with her and just just calm her out there. I don't know. Just just things of like. I think the harness thing of walking around is a little ridiculous. You're not, she's I not going to want to go. And even if she does like, then you worry about like, it's just, it's Brooklyn. It's like, just, I don't know how anyone with a dog can walk, can walk their dog on this. You know, I understand oh, taking sure. the park, but like, yeah. like there's, there's just broken glass and shit fucking everywhere. Like I would never walk barefoot on, on the sidewalks of Brooklyn. So right. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't let my cats or my dog certainly do that. If I had a dog, I'd certainly put like like what the fuck like dog shoes on, on it or whatever. Like, dog shoes. I, I totally would because like I had a dog growing up and like even like being in the suburbs of Chicago was like every once in a while he would step on something kind of sharp or in something gross and I was like oh fucking a like you no know, cleaning paws are a big deal for animals so you know yeah the taking the cat for a, har- a walk in a harness is ridiculous. Yeah. Tell your vet. Tell your vet to drop fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> also, I this I got insurance and then I assumed everything God. would be covered and it wasn't. No. And I'm just fucking no, it mad. And also, you have to pay for it and the insurance. You need to like get reimbursed for it. Yeah, it's, it's garbage. Like, it's garbage. Yeah, I, I'm, it does, but at least I'll make it back. Well, I'm ca- I'm canceling the one that I have because it really isn't covering anything. And there's apparently a better mm-hmm. one that I'm gonna call tomorrow. But Definitely. thanks for listening to the part of the podcast where I just solicit <laughs> advice from Joe about cats. All right, and with that in mind, let's do a little uh, uh, with, with the bits and pieces. And the theme song goes a little something like this: and bits and the pieces, bits and pieces. All right, I'll, maybe with the first one. I'll I'll allow that. Why don't um, we start up making fun of Movie Pass? That thing you just sent me. Oh, cool. Yeah, let me pull that up. So Movie Pass had quite a weekend. You know, uh, you Movie Pass. Uh, as I mentioned in the past, they've uh, they've MoviePass has started putting money towards mm. movies themselves. Like they've bought the uh, distribution rights to uh, something called American Animals, which is mm. out in theaters now. And they also acquired um, uh, Gotti, mm-hmm. the 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 like mul- has been delayed for like a decade movie that has like a hundred listed producers on it, and has ultimately starred uh, John Travolta and was directed by. E from Entourage. Wait, what? Did you know that? Kevin Connolly directed Gotti? Because he sure fucking did. What? Yes. Are you talking about? (laughs) What? The character E from Entourage. His real name is Kevin Connolly, and he directed the movie Gotti. I agree. I had no idea that is... (laughs) <laughs> that is the most idiotic thing I've ever fucking heard in my time. I had no clue that that dipshit directed this fucking movie. Holy shit! That that is that's like a joke. What you just said there. I know, I know. Trust me. 
So holy shit! Of course he did. Yeah. So during CinemaCon, MoviePass. That seems like that seems like a, a plot in Entourage. E wants to get into directing, and he got the Gotti movie. And it's just <laughs> yeah. That it's, sounds like something from fucking Entourage for real. I mean, the the Aquaman movie that was once thought as as, as too silly to be real yeah. that it was an Entourage subplot is now real. So who knows? It's all crazy. Uh, uh, yeah. So during CinemaCon, MoviePass took a low seven-figure stake. In the reported $10 million budgeted feature, Gotti, uh, and MoviePass accounted for roughly, uh, let me see, MoviePass, it said MoviePass accounted for about 40% of Gotti's $1.67 million opening weekend. Uh, it, let me think, let me think it real quick. So if you say low, you said low seven figures? Yeah. So that'd be like at the most $2 million. Sure. So, so let's say let's let's for this let's do some math real quick. So let's say MoviePass put two million in there, and you said they were, they were responsible forty percent of how much? One point six. To five hundred. So yeah, like maybe at the most <laughs> five hundred thousand. That's fifty percent. Like yeah, one point six. That would have been uh, five uh, fifty three five hundred thirty thousand. So and that's fifty. So let's knock it down to uh, about five hundred thousand. So you spent about two million for five hundred thousand. Good job, right. guys. And MoviePass accounted for roughly 25 to 35% of the $135,000 open uh, weekend that American Animals had, uh, which is, it's only in four theaters. It's not, these movies are both very small scale. They're not getting mm -hmm. wide releases. Mm -hmm. um, and MoviePass was confident enough in, they, in their ability to market this movie. Like, if you go to the app, the funny thing is, like, of course, the first two options of movies to see this mm -hmm. week. What do you think they yep. are? It's Gotti. I'm not, I just opened it right now. American Animals and Gotti. Yeah. So, and, and at the top of it, they're playing the American Animals trailer. But it's, To their it's credit, like the, uh, American yeah. Animals is supposed to be good. People like it. It's getting good yeah, reviews. I do, I, I, I do want to see it. I'll see it this week if I can because it's going to be gone after this week. So I'm going to definitely try to see it with MoviePass, which doesn't really help their bottom line, I would imagine. Nope. But um, it's just their strategy – it's just it's so not working and like it already wasn't working and now it's just like they're bleeding money on these movies too yeah this strategy i want to say like this strategy is a theory that could have worked if they weren't spending insane amounts of money to get customers you know it's just, it's just like it's going this idea of like let's get everyone subscribing to our thing and let's also use a subscription platform to like advertise movies we paid for like yeah it, like oh that's a great idea but like keep in mind like even though this isn't like netflix like netflix was invented in like 1998 and then everyone got on netflix like uh, 10 years ago maybe you know what i mean like right. It's just like it's this idea of trying to like infiltrate the movie industry and then using your subscription power to become your own thing is like that's not a bad idea in theory, but not, but MoviePass is all like yeah we'll do it in six months. It's because no, the guy like, who runs it now is has you know he's Netflix, he's a Netflix he was involved in Netflix which is like the one right. story of that thing that worked and this he just isn't wants a, to do yeah, it. Yeah, this isn't a bad idea. Remember like Netflix like took decades to get deals with. Uh, you know, already existing right. distribution companies and, and, and production companies to build their library and eventually amass this amount of money and et cetera, et cetera. Like it was, it was like a niche thing. People forget Netflix was a niche like DVD delivery service for fucking years yeah. before they even before House of Cards and, and all this streaming stuff. So never movie passes like guys too much too fast like they're tr they're they're really like well, they gambling. Kind of, they, yeah, they kind of they keep their on, investors. I would say yeah, they keep gambling on the growth the growth of the subscription base to keep gambling on now with Gotti and American animals doing well and it's not I mean like 
get real. Like, I, I would maybe watch American Animals. I'm not going to watch it in the theaters. I'm absolutely going to wait for streaming because I cannot be bothered to go sit through this movie that could be bad. Right. You know? I think no way I was ever going to see Gotti. No way. <laughs> it's. Te- I mean, I think what would have been more interesting than Gotti coming out is a documentary or a, a dramatization of the the of Gotti trying to get made because it's been, yeah. it's been a, it's been ten years or more. Uh, right. Barry Levinson was attached at one point. Nick Cassavetes was attached at one point. Joe Johnson was attached at one point. Al Pacino and Joe Pesci were supposed to star at one point. Huh. Uh, jo- this, is, this is the best part. This, I want to see this movie. Joe Pesci sued the film's producers for $3 million because he gained 30 pounds to play the role only to have his role and salary cut. <laughs> Unbelievable. The case was ultimately settled, so he got money from that. Uh, How many pounds? 30. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, yeah, if I, had, if I had to gain 30 pounds for a shoot, just be like, nah, never mind. Like, you're fucking paying me. Like, at the very least, you're paying for the personal trainer to lose his weight. You know, like, we, we've talked about how Amazon, because Amazon Prime is pretty much like, I mean, the game is theirs, because they have unlimited amount of capital. But how long, when Amazon started streaming video, like, how many years were they buying indie films and documentaries? Which is code for, like, buying cheap movies and flipping them really fast. That's what they did for, I mean, they, they got into the blockbuster game, like, this past like two years of trying to like have big budget stuff with with that Lord of the Rings shit, but they spent at least five six years just buying up right. any documentary, any indie, independent film at every ma- film festival. You know what I mean? Just kind of just being like, let's buy stuff we can afford first and feel it out and figure it out. And then obviously they were like, yep, yep, no one's watching it. So fucking what the fuck's Movie Pass doing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much longer this is gonna last. I know yeah. if you look at the figures, like they're definitely driving people to go to the movies more, like during the week and stuff. Like that, those numbers are a hundred percent. Yeah, up. but like they're paying for it. It's like yeah, this this this. It was almost like the stupid idea of like what we talking like the the gym pass, the gym membership model. Right. We're like. The only problem is, is like people hate going to the gym. So every time someone signs up for a gym membership in January, uh, they go twice. And by March, they cancel. And the the gym membership place, you know, Crunch Gym or whatever, makes money off the fact that you're not going to go. For every one person that goes every day, there's guys like you or me who don't fucking go and I'm spending like $300 big, ah, fuck it, forget it. Right. The problem is people want to see movies. Right. You know what I mean? The model doesn't work for the – yeah. It's ridiculous. And we're like, oh, all these people are going to the movies. It's like, yes, but if they go to the movies, you lose fucking money, idiots. You don't want someone who is going to a movie once a year now going once a week. Because then you're you, screwed. You, yeah, you maybe make sixty dollars, but they see like three hundred dollars worth of movies. What the fuck point? I mean, you're paying for it. What was the point of that? Yeah, I don't know how much they thought about it, but uh, I, I don't. I just don't know how many more months it'll last. But I'm gonna go see movies as much as possible until then. Yeah. Bleed them, totally. bleed them dry. Uh huh. But anyway, uh, yeah, Gotti looks in, in, in incredibly terrible. Yeah, like, uh, the New York Times review by Glenn Kenny, hopefully future guest of this podcast, another great uh, film Twitter person. He yeah. eviscerated it. It's very, it's a very fun read. Um, what else we got? Oh, this will be fun to talk about. Uh, Chris Hardwick has been canceled as a human uh, being. Well, this one, you, when I sent it to you, you were like not surprised because you were just like, yeah, of course, like this nerdy fucking guy who was a fat mm-hmm. alcoholic who got mm-hmm. sober and attractive and. Mm-hmm. fucking built up this media empire of course he doesn't know how to deal with women um, i would i would argue he doesn't know how to deal with people yes uh so if you haven't know this if you don't know the story uh chris hardwick who 
how would you even describe him at this point? He's very famous. He is a host of sure. multiple things. He was the host of so, At Midnight on Comedy yeah. Central. He was the host. He he uh, he, he uh, initially his his claim to fame, or his, uh, you know, as you said before, if you listen, ever listened to his podcast interview with Mark Maron, guy in L.A. Uh, tries to be you know a comedian or whatever he's trying to do, alcohol and drug problems. Eventually, turns around, sobers himself up, simultaneously. I don't say reinvents himself, but but like refines himself as the nerd comedian. He called himself the Nerdist. He started a company called the Nerdist. Started a podcast called Nerdist, which eventually ste- stemmed so many other podcasts from the Nerdist. Uh, the network. Uh, it's a network now a network. With, with some of yes, my yes, favorite yes. shows. You so made much, it weird. And, yeah. And eventually, I think it was 2011. He sold it to Legendary uh, Films or Productions, mm-hmm. and he and he kind of just like backed out. I, honestly, I didn't know this until. When I was in New York a few months ago, I was talking to my buddy Tim, and he had told me that Chris Hardwick had left Nerdist years ago and was starting his own podcast called the ID10T. Yeah, the, Did you the, know the idiot. Yeah, but it's spelled yeah. all nerdy. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, that I didn't. Right I didn't know. But but uh, you know, if you look, he he was just like the guy who's like him along with eventually like he started the, then but i don't know if he started it but he was also tangentially related to the Nerd Melt Theater that. Oh yeah, no, that was all him. It was yeah. all under him. So the point is that like he was kind of at the forefront of bringing nerdiness to the mainstream comedy. He is. It wasn't like he was like some sort of like Sven. I mean, he did it at the same time. Kumail started becoming popular at the same time. The UCB became the thing that you know white dorky kids kind of did. The reason I guess I'm getting to is this. Uh, I don't want to say I'm not surprised into the sense of like I ever got like a rapey vibe from him, but. He is the top of the pile of the type of comedy and comedic persona that I absolutely hate. So I started doing comedy, like pursuing it in 2004, 2005. And yeah, I kind of had some nerdy, you know, things of my own, but I never really considered myself like a nerd or like a dork. And at some point, you know, around that time, I started noticing like, man, improv comedy in Chicago, in Second City, at IO, and The Annoyance, everything, it's a lot of white dudes, that's not a surprise, but a lot of, like, everyone who thinks they're so fucking cool because they are, you know, obsessed with Mr. Show and the kids in the hall and Weird Al and nerdy shows. And something like this nerdiness thing became, like, from an outsider's perspective, and anyone listening, if you fancy yourself as a nerd, this isn't, I'm not... Not casting dispersions anyone who ever considered themselves a nerd. That's perfectly fine to geek a nerd, whatever you know that stuff. Please be in it, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I found personally that anyone in comedy who is also trying to brand themselves as I'm just this nerdy guy, likes nerdy stuff, and nerd, 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 nerd. These people are problematic. So when all this stuff in comedy and sexual assault and and the poor treatment of women, when that was coming to the forefront the last couple of years, I was like, yeah, I saw that shit firsthand. I luckily got involved in comedy when I was already somewhat of like, I knew who I was. I wasn't trying to use comedy to get laid. I was more interested in like becoming a better writer and performer. So I had like, I didn't have my identity in comedy. Unfortunately, a lot of people, especially in early twenties did. And if you look up the pie, up the chain of command of self-esteemless, dorky white dudes, they all had the same story. Uh, They were nerds in high school. They were nerds in college. They obsessed over Star Wars and comedy and whatever, and they never got laid, and no girls talked to them because they were just raised poorly, and it's all their fucking fault. But then they find comedy, and they get to improv, and they kind of throw out a couple, you know, Battlestar Galactic references, and what do you know? Suddenly they're getting attention. And guess what? They're terrible boyfriends. They're terrible party goers, they're terrible improv scene partners, there's terrible boys 
who right. are now getting a little bit of taste of, of, of getting like a little taste of like attention and they just abuse it and they have no idea how to do it. You know, I can't stand whenever I see something in pop culture where it's like the nerdy kid who actually turns out to be a nice guy. That's fucking bullshit. You know, I'm not saying all nerds are jerks, but the nerds who got into comedy and started to perpetuate this UCB nerdist podcast lifestyle. I'm sorry, but my my interaction with them was like, I, I was like, I don't like any of these guys. And they seem very hate to use a buzzword problematic. So Chicago ha- was is lousy with them. Then I moved to Brooklyn and it's like a hundred times worse. And I kind of just like backed up from comedy because I was like, you know what? I'm not I'm not digging this. The scene is overrun with dorky white guys who wear their nerdiness. Like, by the way, they're like, I'm such a nerd. I'm into Star Wars. And I, and I joke about this all the time. I'm like, really? Star Wars? Yeah, the most popular thing ever. Like, it's, it's, it's generally nerdier to be into fucking football than it is to be into fucking Marvel shit. But I digress. It's, and I, it's, get... I mean, Go ahead. I think there's a problem when your, like, your nerdiness or whatever becomes your identity. And that's what mm-hmm. these people are. Like, yeah. nerd and culture. Also, and, yeah. And like, and like, Hey, me and my friends, we were like growing in high school. We were all kind of nerds too. But I mean, like who, I mean, people, sure, really no, get I, I identify, yeah, like, I, I wouldn't like, I call myself it. a nerd or anything, but I like, yeah. I love, I love what Chris did. I love all, I did enjoy sure, nerds yeah, for oh, a yeah, long yeah. time. Like, I, I'm getting to is like, you can't yeah. like when you see, Hey, if you want to know, I, I'm not surprised. Like, when you want to know someone's like, just like, look at like their fans. You know what I mean? Like I never thought Chris Hardwick fans were cool. I never, like I would listen to sometimes listen to the nerdist and sometimes, you know, I wasn't in LA when it was really kind of happening. So I kind of looked from a distance. I was just being like, yeah, some of this content is fine, but I just don't, I just never, but like he presented it like we're nerds and we're united. And like, you know, we're sick of being bullied and you should let like the things in your nerd freak flag fly. And I'm like, I'm into this message, but what I'm seeing on the ground floor is a bunch of emotionally detached, spoiled white dudes who have no, who ha- would never in a million years change or, or evolve to become better employees or boyfriends or whatever. Just right. a lot of kids just being like, yeah, you know I mean? Well, and that's hey. how you, that's how we got this Gamergate debacle yeah. and shit. Of like course. that's what this it's whole like, thing is. Like, 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 like basically like it just, I, I hated this whole, I just hated this whole, like I'm so nerdy. So it's okay that I'm a jerk and a spaz and I'm going to wear like, like I'm just going to get star Wars tattoos. It's just like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Maybe you should grow up like that shit all you want, but I'm not, you know, Hey, music and, and anyway. So he, well, he basically, yeah. in my opinion, made it okay for man children to, to continue to be man children. I think any women listening to our podcast right now can, can probably tell us Tons of stories of these fucking dorky wannabe stand-up comic guys that they had to fucking deal with, or they like, probably try to take a comedy class, or try to get involved in some sort of thing where they genuinely wanted to like get into their fandom. And what do you know? Some fucking whitey dude with a beard is basically acting like a creep, and that'd be like, I can't handle this. I'm sure they all had to deal with these fucking Chris Hardwick fans and Chris Hardwick-like people in college and at the UCB or whatever. Did you the point read? Is this. Did, did, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, so I was gonna say when you were like, "Hey, can you believe this?" I'm like, "I'm not surprised." Not that I ever met him or thought he was right. people, but it's like, it's like he to me is is the quintessential thing. He was a total nerdy guy. Totally started doing like all this nerdy stuff and making like his his like mo or whatever. And I'm like, this guy, there's no way this guy's a good boyfriend. There's no way this guy is a good employee or whatever. Right. Absolutely, like what about him? Nothing about him says empathy. Nothing about him says knowing how to talk to the opposite sex. Nothing about him says anything other than that, like yeah. now that he's famous, he's gonna abuse that power to make people feel better if they don't do quote what he says. So fuck this fucking guy. Yeah, reading the basically his ex outed him without ever saying his name, but like alluding to like you know podcast empire and like his it was very 100 percent clear it was him uh yeah. did you read did you read it 
No, but wait, it's so funny. It's like Podcast Empire. Wait, so it wasn't Ira Glass? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, it's it, it's gross what he did. It's not. First of all, she accuses him of, of straight up of of rape, of sexual assault, like repeatedly <laughs> throughout their career, uh, throughout their relationship. And she admits, like, yeah, I was in this relationship because he, she was. It was it was long term emotional abuse. It was he would take her to Comic Con and make her stay in the hotel room while he went out and fucked other people and partied and got people's numbers and stuff. Like yeah. it was like this weird yeah. Yeah. control. No thing. empathy. No, exactly. Yeah. No self esteem. No empathy. And then, and then I mean, I mean, but real quick, he wrote yeah. that book. When he wrote that book, The Nerdist Way, like I kind of thumbed through the bookstore, and I'm like, this guy's a sociopath, because he's all like, Hey, I used to be a drunk, but then I started working out. I started right. uh, doing yoga and meditation, and figure like anyone who writes a book where there's like, I turn my life around, and you can too. It's like motherfuck you. Like, like anyone, I, I'm always suspicious when any, whenever a celebrity starts to be like, Let me tell you how to be great like me. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back it up, Bill Cosby. Like. Nope. Yeah. Like, why should I, why should I be emulating your life? I mean, just cause you got healthy doesn't mean you write a fucking book telling me how to do it. It's just like, I'm not surprised. I'm not, I'm not surprised that he's like this. I've got to and- say I was surprised, but hearing everything you said, I'm like, I don't know why I, I shouldn't be because right? he, yeah, he does come off uh, in that way. It's so, I mean, it's, 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 trust me. I want to be a better person in, in all the areas of my life. I'm assuming you do. Who doesn't? But the sociopathic behavior that he just that he just was always like, yes, I started a podcast and then I built a podcast empire. I wanted to lose weight. I lost weight. I wanted to get a better haircut. Oh, I wasn't really good at hosting and now I'm so smooth and yeah. debonair when I'm hosting all these shows. It's like we look from the outside and be like, look at this guy improving himself. But it's more just kind of like, yeah, but like – is it improvement I mean, or is it just like, is it like almost like sociopathic I, behavior? I, to well, be like, yeah, I saw a really good tweet that I'm trying to find, but I can't I don't remember who tweeted it. But they basically said, like, he's the kind of nerd like he got so into a thing that he had to make that thing about himself. And that he made a career out of that. He made a yeah. career out of being such a fan of X that he would insert himself into X. You know what I'm saying? Like he he literally, literally he literally hosts a show after The Walking Dead to talk about The Walking Dead. Like. Yeah. Like, like what kind of fucking what? <laughs> How do you do yeah. that? So like he kind of I'm sure a lot of people are jealous of him because he like has this like idyllic career. But uh, yeah, this are the watch out. You got to watch out for that stuff. As I get older yeah. and more and I meet more famous people through work and I live in Hollywood and this stuff is kind of coming out to me. It's just being like, look, you should always try and do like great work and push yourself in this and that. But when people become famous for like uh, like basically when they become like a cult of personality there's something up with them. There's something inside of them. Like why? Like, hey, I don't want to bring this up because I was devastated by what happened with Anthony Bourdain. But when we really look back on it, just being like, yeah, there was definitely something up with that guy, and we didn't notice because we're too busy being like, when everyone's collectively going, doesn't this person have the best life? You have to yeah. step back and be like, this person's working really hard to to show all of us how how happy or how great they got it. Something go something going on upstairs. There's a contentment yeah. that's missing, and it's and it's and it's, it, it's a sign of like uh, something worse. You know, yeah. And in these two examples, and it was extreme. Like I loved Anthony Bourdain, and I'm sad that he that he killed himself. And I don't like Chris Hardwick, and I'm not surprised this happened. But in both instances, you had to look at people. I mean, I'm I, I've said this before, and I'm just saying it right now. Sums up with Steve Harvey. Something is up with Steve you're Harvey. Get, you're getting it on the record now. Get it on the record. Nobody hosts as many shows. Nobody writes as many books about how to be a great husband, how to be a great lover, how to be this and that. No one does this much stuff unless they got something they're trying to suppress, either a depression. Or a sociopathic behavior. Well, I don't want to say. I hope. I hope this pays off for you, but it'll be interesting if it does. Uh, 
Uh, it, it, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you yeah. a question, uh, Brett. I'm asking Brett, but I'm also asking everyone listening. I know we all want to be successful, but don't you think it's weird when someone, I mean, don't you also, you, Brett, and everyone listening, want to, at the end of the day, go home and relax? Don't you also want to enjoy your weekends? Don't you right. also want to be like, hey, I want to have like a relationship and have friends and and, and, and just kind of like relax? Whenever you see someone who's like, oh, I'm hustling, I'm doing 20 different things, I, I work every day, this and that, it's like, stop. That's yeah. not, that's not, that's not a good life. It's it was, like, he did so much. He hosted so many shows, books, all this shit. It's like, it's like something is up. You should not work this much. I'm not impressed that you have five TV shows. I'm actually worried. Right. That's not a, that's not a good thing. That's a good have point. A fucking, have a fucking drink, sleep in, fucking relax. Yeah. You, everyone should read Chloe Dexter's post though. It's on medium. It's really, it's just like a, it's a, it's a harrowing portrait of like what emotional abuse looks like. It was a three, it was a three year thing for them. And, and also, uh, also I said this to you before, cause, cause my first thing was like, well, she never doesn't mention him by name, but then I see oh, all yeah. the stuff of him, him, him losing TV shows and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, but if it wasn't him, you think she'd speak up and be like, no, 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 but it wasn't Chris. Yeah, no, they, like, she offered sufficient detail in there that were like quick, quick identifying traits for him. Like, yeah. especially, yeah, a lot of it, but, uh, but also, but I, but I came forward and, and like, got, like just put a medium plus to being like, oh yeah, you know, I did this show with this guy for years. He's a total fucking asshole and a psycho. And I was like, is it Brett Arnold? Let's yeah. all ruin Brett's life. I'd be like, no, no, no. If it was, I'd be like, no, 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 it's not Brett. Right. You know, it wasn't like, that guy. Yeah. Right on. And then the, the worst part about it is, well, first of all, she accused him in addition to all that horrible stuff of sabotaging her career. Like when they broke up, he would he blacklisted her and like told people in the industry. And like because he kind of ran that fucking industry, she was literally she was blackballed from it. What was At, she before? Like was she? An she was like or... a she's like a cosplay person. That she's like famous for yeah. doing cosplay. She's famous for doing a Nerdist. She was a host on a Nerdist show. She like What's she. Show? I don't know what it was. It's it's all nerdist related though so like he kind of plucked her and gave her a career but like she, in her essay she's like i didn't want to be on camera he made me be on camera she had all these eating disorders as a result and um it's just this horrible horrible thing and uh uh his response after this did you read that it was horrible oh, oh, oh dude God. he he dug himself he basically if anyone was like lingering on like maybe he'll come out and say something great he just ruined it he said these are very serious allegations and not to be taken lightly, which is why I've taken the day to consider how to respond. I was heart <laughs> whole day. <laughs> yeah, whole day. I was heartbroken to read Chloe's post. Our three year relationship was not perfect. We were ultimately not a good match and argued, even shouted at each other. But I loved her and did my best to uplift and support her as a partner and companion in any way. And at no time did I sexually assault her. This is mm. this is where it gets really bad. For several weeks after we broke up, she asked to get back together with me and even told me she wanted to have kids with me, build a life with me, and told me that I was the one. But I did not want to be with someone who was unfaithful. I'm devastated uh. to read that she is now accusing me of conduct that did not occur. I was blindsided by her post and always wanted the best for her. As a husband, a son, and future father, I do not condone any kind of mistreatment of women. Fuck you. Fuck him forever. Uh, that was yeah. that was a nail in the coffin. Just fuck yeah. him. Like you can't you can't be uh, he's lying. He's lying. He's yeah. 100% lying. He thinks because he's Chris Hardwick he can get beyond this. If this was pre me too, he probably could have got away with it, but I don't, he's 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 done. Uh AMC's already he had a talk show just called The Talk, which I didn't know about until this. Mm -hmm. But that We're is supposed to yeah. start soon, and it's not going to at the moment. Uh, mm -hmm. He's been kicked off the Comic-Con panels he was supposed to host. 
And mm. Nerdist released a statement distancing themselves from him, being like, hey, he yeah. sold us, you know, a while yeah. ago. Uh, so Chris Hardwick uh, sounds Fuck like you. his career is over. Fuck that guy. Good. Fuck um, that guy. All right. I'll, get, I'll do some quick hits. Uh, Ewan McGregor is going to star as Danny Torrance in the Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep. Okay. So okay. Mike Flanagan okay. directing, Ewan McGregor starring. Uh, people who read the book are generally not fans. I've heard the script is bad. Uh, uh, I have enough faith in Flanagan, and I'm pretty sure I read he's doing a complete rewrite. So let's hope that's the case, and let's hope that this delivers. Yeah, I mean, hope it's good, but uh, I, I mean, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think. Like, is there? I'm trying to think of a of a good King book or property. Oh, excuse me, like show or or, or movie that uh, the source material wasn't that great. And then, like, the movie ended up being good? Yeah, I don't There's know. There's a lot of times where they have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certainly been times where, like, the movie or TV show has had, like, little to do with what the book is like. Um, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm not, I'm not holding... But I, I feel like it's just going to be fine. Yeah, I don't have any high, super high hopes for it. They are going to... But they're... It, it, how about, I'll put it this way. If the ad campaign for the movie is all about how it's the sequel to The Shining... And how The Shining is, you know, the uh, the scariest movie ever. It's gonna stink. The more that they try and like link it to everyone who, like, hey, you like The Shining? It's just like The shi- Shining, Shining, Shining. The worse the movie's gonna be because well, that'll mean that they, they know they don't have anything to go on. Yeah, that's happening right now with it. Yep. And I'm wondering if it's just if it's just half the clickbaity media knowing that the you know sequel to Shining is yeah. the clicky thing, or yeah. if it's the if it's them. But we'll see. Well, we'll see. And more Stephen King news. You know, his book, The Outsider, was released not even a month ago. Uh, and The Outsider has already been purchased for a TV adaptation. <laughs> Good, fine. Yeah. Good for him. Ten, All King everything. Ten episode limited series. Uh, Richard Price is producing. I'm sure in the past I've read what the, the book is about, so I'm not going to do it again. But yeah. Uh, yeah, The Outsider will come to TV it's in the works. Uh, yeah, else? let me recommend. I'm going to recommend uh, Joe Hill's Nosferatu. Joe Hill is the son of Stephen King, and uh, his book I'm reading or listening to Nosferatu right now, and it's very good. So I recommend. Yes. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, Amanda Seyfried and Kevin Bacon are going to star in a Blumhouse thriller titled "You Should Have Left." It'll be written by David Coep, who's written a billion things, including Jurassic Park and Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire one. Uh, he will, di- or yeah, he will direct the project. I don't know if he's actually writing it. Um, Blumhouse described the project as the unsettling story of a wealthy man with a younger wife and a six-year-old child. Mistrust and suspicion characterize their marriage while they are in a remote location that may or may not be obeying all the physical laws of the universe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, the film is based on the novel of the same name, and Bacon Kevin Bacon discovered the book and brought it to David Coep, which is an interesting note. Uh, cool. All for all for Blumhouse projects. Oh my God! Imagine being that famous, Brett, where you read a book that you like, yeah. and you just go up to someone and be like, "Hey, make a movie out of this book and have me start," and, and that actually happened. Yeah, it's pretty. That'd sweet. be incredible. That just just being like, "Is Bacon writing it? No. Is he actually got to direct it? Nope." Hey, make a good thing with this book that I like. Make it. Did, did he pay for the rights? And put no. me in it. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but fine. I, li- I love Kevin Bacon. I'm sure it'll be good. Incredible. Oh, this Blumhouse, this I, this I found very funny. Scream Factory, oh, yeah. which uh, re-releases movies like I would say they're, they're the Criterion Collection for horror movies. They're yeah, I like Scream Factory. I love Scream Factory. So they're putting out 1994's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The next. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I know this, yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation, the one that starred uh, Matt Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, like right before mm-hmm. both of them hit. I feel like. Uh, so they have famously, uh, like dis distanced themselves from this movie. And of course, yeah, there was a, the poster art or the, the cover art came out for the movie and it had both their faces on it prominently. It had Leatherface in the middle and their faces were kind of poorly photoshopped on the side. Uh, Scream Factory has since updated that and the, <laughs> it's the same cover, but their faces mm-hmm. are gone. I mean, so that's yeah. just hilarious and I, and, to me. And I'm not surprised. I mean, get real. They both did the movie. Whenever they, whenever they did it, they needed to get the check. They wanted to be actress, actors and actresses. Hey, everyone does, you know, bullshit they don't want to do when they're first starting out. That's fine. Fucking Matthew McConaughey's uh, an Oscar-winning actor. I think Renee Zellweger was at least nominated, if, right. she, if not. Right? Is she won one? I, I think she's at least nominated. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. So these, these are like these are like top. Top tier level, yeah. top tier Hollywood talent. And what do you know? Scream Factory, a thing that you know they've never heard of. It might as well be <laughs> it might as well be Joe Blow Productions. Right. Comes in, it's like, hey, we're re-releasing that movie that you did when you were kids. And guess what? Your face is all over the cover. They're just like, no, forget it. What you got to do when you when I was a nobody. I mean, by the way, when they were nobodies, I'm sure that the contract that they signed to be in that movie was like completely out of their favor. And now the big Hollywood stars, the movie comes around, it's like, oh yeah, we want to use your face to sell this. Like, uh-uh. Ain't happening. Like, pay us more money than you'll ever see in your life, which you can't do, or take our fucking pictures off. If I recall, that movie was delayed for a while, and, like, they were actively trying to not have it come out. Like, with the first time or the the re-release? the first time. I think Really? Yeah. I remember reading that. Maybe I'm crazy. Fact check me, world, because I'm not going to do it. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just like, I mean, get fucking real. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Um, You know, like... Yeah. I don't know. Like, like, I just, I just think it's like, I, 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 I gotta give a Scream Factory, you know, props for the balls <laughs> to put those guys on there. Hey, let's see if, uh, let's once you hit up uh, Matthew McConaughey's uh, team of agents and lawyers and see if we could put their, his face on this movie that I'm sure he's like on this movie like, that everyone hates. Yeah. <laughs> because by the way, yeah, you're right. Because uh, it came out in '94 and Days and Confused came out in '93, so he was already like a known actor at that point. But I think it was shot years before. I think it was. Back by the way, I'm looking at the uh, IMDb, and for this one, even though their names are on it, their pictures aren't on it. Like yeah. it's just like, yeah. So it's they've like, done the, all they can to like distance themselves from it. Yeah. Smooth moves, Scream Factory, but I mean, get real. Yeah, you're, you're not get get real. <laughs> um, the head of Amazon Studios this week said the Dark Tower TV series is still very much alive. Uh. uh I would like for this to come to fruition because I think that it's definitely something that needs to be told over a long, you know, show series amount of right. time. Uh, that being said, I I don't have faith that this will happen because they were just going to forever point at the box office of the first movie and be like, no one cares. The first movie was so fucking bad. But yeah. she, what what she said is, uh, those are scripts I haven't gotten yet. I'll be seeing those uh, that material in the coming weeks. None of those things are dead. Because someone basically was like, is that thing dead? And she's like, no, it's fine. 
so we'll see if that happens. I think King fans would be excited to see it. Yeah, and, but... and King's hot right now. I mean, everything King is. I mean, they're, they're probably using King's uh, star profile now, with everything getting like remade and and readapted to, as the argument to make this series. Because you know, they're not. The argument is not look how well the movie did. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I would like to see it. I would like for someone to faithfully bring it to fruition because I'm curious about it. I read that first book, which basically most of the movie's based on. I like. I had to keep checking the 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 Wikipedia to be like, what is happening in this book? It's short. It's really tedious. It's very boring. And everyone I know who's read this series is like, oh yeah, that's just like a little like intro to it. That kind of that, that kind of comes into play later. You got to read the first three to really get into. It. I'm like, no, I'm not reading three books to get into some ridiculous like story. It. Yeah. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Good luck. So this is an interesting tidbit. Uh, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green uh, were interviewed in Entertainment Weekly talking about Halloween. And mm-hmm. they said this, which I didn't know. What do you got? We were going to shoot two of them back to back. Then we were like, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. This could come out and everyone could hate us and we'd never work again. So let's mm-hmm. not have to sit around for a year while we wait for another movie to come out that we know people aren't going to like. So we were like, let's learn from this, see what works and what doesn't. But we okay. definitely have an idea of where we would go with this branch of story and hopefully we get a chance to do it. So basically they're saying they're down and like willing and have a story for a follow up to this new Halloween yeah, great. I mean, I think we I could hope it's use good, this, and I hope they do, yeah. Yeah, we could use a transition into our trailer segment because trailers for Halloween dropped this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? The Girl in the Spider's Web, the new Dragon Tattoo movie directed by Fetty Alvarez of uh, Evil Dead and Don't Breathe fame. And what was mm-hmm. the other one? There's another trailer. The Nun? The Nun, yes. The new Conjuring movie, The Nun. Which oh, and is- also Dark Web. Oh, yeah. Unfriended, Unfriend, Unfriended 2 Dark Web. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I've seen all the trailers. Halloween, I think, looks pretty fucking great. It looks like a Halloween sequel. Yeah. It, it really does. And uh, the I think it'll be graphic and gory. Like, the, the one money shot in the trailer is Michael Myers dropping teeth near somebody. Yeah. It's, it's pretty sweet. Uh, they really are ignoring the sequels, but also the trailer has a lot of references to the sequels. So they're like mm-hmm. clearly like tipping their hat. It'll be, it seems like, it seems like a fan servicey reboot sequel, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I'm a hundred percent down for it. I think it'll be better than what Rob Zombie did with it. <laughs> oh, you think? <laughs> I didn't hate those movies. I just... They're just he made Rob Zombie movies. He only knows how to make the, like one kind of movie, and he made yeah. those again. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two over and over again. <laughs> uh, uh, I think I, I really like the uh, yeah. I thought the Halloween trailer is awesome. I think it's gonna be really good. I think that um, what I'm most excited about it is the horror movies that we've had, the big blockbusters we've had this year so far have all been. What you guys called last week is elevated horror. I would just say a little more cerebral on the idea of like, you know, you look at Hereditary and A Quiet Place, and there's another one that I'm drawing a blank on right now. They're all like, you really got to like go deep or really pay attention or really, you got to like, they're like next level horror movies, which I like, you like, I understand, but like we've yet to have a really good, just like fucking blockbuster, give it to me, it, you know, kind of like horror movie, capital H. It is what it is. 
give me give me the fucking thrill ride. And I think Halloween hopefully is gonna just deliver it in spades. Yeah, I think you're right. So uh, that, that and that's what I'm most looking forward to. I'm, I, you know, with Hereditary, we'll talk a little bit later. Like I spent the whole movie like it was homework, being like, what am I looking for? What am I paying attention to? <laughs> what do I need to know right now? I just want a horror movie just to be like, yeah, you know, here we go. We're just gonna kill some people. Yeah, I'm excited for one of those. Uh, <laughs> Unfriended two. Looks really good, I think. Uh, Randall Colburn, friend of the show, uh, Losers Club podcast fame, he liked it a lot. It's been screening at festivals. Everyone I know who's seen it has liked it. Uh, my expectations are pretty high for that. I really like yeah, the first one. Yeah, that's cool. I really yeah. like the first one too. Like, and you know, I I was most impressed with how they used just a screen capture, Skype, and you know, yeah. the, the interface of Facebook and whatever to tell a story. They do something in the, at least in the first unfriended that almost nobody gets right when they have like visual, what am I trying to look for? Like computer screen stuff, like typing in messages. Stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's the accuracy, but also just being like, I mean, there's nothing more boring than watching text on a screen. Like when people are tend to research, it's like Googling words and doing right. that. They usually just so, boring and it's hard for people to like make right because now these days we all google and facebook everything so that's right. why it's seeping in a search but it always just like, for me like slows it down like i don't want to watch people type shit in and then i have to read shit like I'm watching <laughs> a movie you know like i want to see like there's, there's something so passive about internet sleuthing that always to me slows down movies um yeah no but, this, but, but the last movie did a really good job of using that to its advantage without it being like too cumbersome or slowing it down so 100%. yeah and, and, I, and think I think this movie really, looks like they're gonna do a lot better it was really clever in it just there's no movie before that one that like really nailed how people millennials i said i guess communicate online like it really yeah. just nailed every intricacy of it like the yeah. even like the typing a word and then like typing it again like changing the message just like like stopping deleting and like retyping. yeah yeah all of that it was all really well done and i'm really excited for that other one and also the terror of like getting a surprise message from a, an unknown user and it just has that like blank icon that like circle for a head and shoulders right. or whatever you know like that's really good just being like if you've ever been like online late at night in a chat situation and you just get like that message from an unknown person that's like hey you're just like it's terrifying. It's like, oh fuck, who the fuck is this? It's like when your doorbell rings and you're not expecting yeah. it. Yeah, it's the same. It's really thing. good. They, 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 they're good at capturing that uh, the zeitgeist of uh, of living online and communicating with your friends in that way. You know. Yeah, I also well, saw a trailer last night that I hadn't seen before for a movie called Searching that I would describe as maybe horror, but definitely a thriller. It stars John Cho as a dad, basically investigating his daughter's disappearance, and his daughter was like. It seems like she was like on like heavily online and like it's it's all computer based. It looked it looked unfriended esque like very computer screen heavy. It looked really oh. good though. Yeah, it's called Search. Shout out to Cho. Yeah, John Cho doing great work. Uh, the Nun trailer was basically a teaser with one extended scare sequence yep. that really and worked and the theater I saw it with. Yeah, except that is that is a very similar scare to the, the, the most famous one in Exorcist. Exorcist, yeah, exactly. That's exactly so it's kind of like, thinking. yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't get too much. I did wasn't too. Uh, it's a teaser, so I'm like, not expecting eh, you know. to be won over, but I'm still, you know, I'm still kind of hyped for it. But I just don't know what it is at this point, really. I know it's set back, you know, way before all the other conjurings. And in a different location. Uh, I mean, we'll, oh, we'll, real quick, we'll that, see that, it. That, 
that John Cho movie, Searching, yeah. it's also uh, produced by, I'm going to kill his name, Timber Bekmambetov. Yes, it's a very oh, different the, is that the Night Watch guy? Yeah, the Night Watch and Day Watch, two phenomenal movies that he, since the, he's, his cross, oh, but he also produced Unfriended. Oh, interesting. So maybe he's not involved in two and he made his own his own version. But he's also responsible for Wanted and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and oh, Hardcore yeah, yeah. Henry. So he, he did not uh, he did not transition to his American uh, movies so well. But if anyone has yet to see Night Watch and Day Watch, cannot recommend those movies enough. They are mind fucks. Yeah, they're great. Uh, there might be uh, a bunch of movies called Night Watch and Day Watch. So this is the Night Watch that came out in 2004. It is a Russian movie, and just look up the producer, the guy who made it. His name. Look if it's if it was made by people with unpronounceable lame names. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, searching is entirely on computer screens and phone screens, and it looks really good. It has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't know why I haven't heard anything about it until now. But it comes out in August. Uh, cool. And then, yeah, there's also the girl with the, uh, in the spider's web, which I just want to talk about for a second because it's just bizarre what Sony's doing with this. Because they made, what is it, 2009? The David mm-hmm. Fincher Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which was an adaptation of those Swedish movies and books by Stieg Larsson. Um, that was supposed to be a trilogy because the, book, the books that he wrote, there's three. There's Girl... With the dragon tattoo, the girl who played with fire, and the girl who kicked the hornet's nest. All of which I've read, and all of which I've seen the Swedish movies and really enjoyed them all. Uh, the Fincher movie was, I think it it just didn't perform as well as they expected it. And I believe it was one of those movies that had like a ballooning budget the whole time because Fincher just kept, you know doing whatever he wanted to do. So yeah. it ended up not making that much money in America. And then they were supposed to shoot the sequels back to back. Rooney Mara was still involved. So was Fincher. And then it all just kind of fell off the Sony calendar. And then this year they announced, oh yeah, we're doing another one, but it's not a sequel to the, to the first one. It's a new cast, new crew, new everything. And it stars Claire Foy from, in, from Unsane. Uh, as Lisbeth Salander, and directed by Fetty Alvarez, who did the Evil Dead remake and Don't Breathe, and I'm presuming he's also doing Don't Breathe too. Um, but yeah, the trailer's out, and it looks it looks fine. It looks like another entry, but it's it's not the second or third book. It's the fourth book, notably the the first book written by someone, not the guy who wrote the rest of them. <laughs> it's someone else. Like, I don't know why they would adapt the fourth entry in a trilogy when there's two other ones to be adapted still. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not into it. I, I didn't care. I only saw a little bit of that first movie. I did not like it. I'm not into these movies at all. Uh, it's just dark. I think that movie's problem was it opened on Christmas in 2009, and it's just this yeah. movie that features, like, rape and is very yeah. intense. Also, it was two hours and 45 minutes, so that didn't help either. I think if that movie was 90, I'm sure, the, you know what, I think they learned their lesson. That movie cost a fuck ton of money and was super long and artsy. And they're, now they're saying, we're going to get the guy who just made two really cheap horror movies, give him probably a quarter of the budget and just see what happens. Yeah. So, whatever. I'm, I'll see it. The trailer was interesting. It looks kind of fun. I, I like the source material enough to check it out. But I did never read the fourth and fifth book, which just came out. Uh, what else we got? 
quickly, Al Pacino joined Tarantino's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, in addition to Damian Lewis and Luke Perry and Emile Hirsch and Dakota Fanning. Bad sign. Bad yeah. sign. There's many famous people in a movie. Bad sign. Everyone's going to be on screen for 10 minutes. Let, let's not forget about the hateful eight. Eight people who spent the first hour of the movie introducing themselves. Uh, I have no faith in this movie being even remotely watchable. Uh, he's stacking the deck, which to me is a sign of him being more interested in working with a bunch of people in Hollywood versus actually making a good movie. Um, I don't like his stuff that much anymore anyway. Uh, but this is just like, I mean, when is name a movie that has this many f already famous people, people were already the, the, this famous in it. That's like any good. The Expendables, maybe. No, those, are those are movies bad. any good? No, those movies. Like are right, bad. like there's certainly plenty of movies that like. Man, Magnolia, maybe that's different. I don't know. Like yeah, a, but no, yeah. no, because like, how many famous people are in that like, movie? Like super, super at, famous. Yeah. At the time, I mean, sure. I understand like movies come out and then later we're like, look at that stacked cast. But like, when has there been a movie where like, hey, the biggest movie stars now are in it, and it's good? Yeah, I don't know. So, I think you're right. I, and this is like this is supposed to be his second to last movie. So I also feels like he's like, well, if I'm only making two more of them, I might as well just like work with the people I've wanted to work with. Yeah, he might be just throwing them all in there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I want to love it because I love me. I love. I just like serial killer stuff and like the first time Tarantino's dealing with like a, a real event and it's interesting. But I also think it could make it really tasteless and bad. So I, I no, don't it's know. It's not the first time. Remember when in Inglorious Bastards when they were going oh, to kill sure. Hitler. Okay. Yeah, and then in that movie, he just like re like there's nothing. Well, that was like his that was like his what do you call it historical fiction where you like fuck around with history. Why this? this why won't this be? Oh, why I don't know. This... Maybe it will be. You're right. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> Charles Manson's a good guy in it. I don't know. Yeah, for all for all we know, it's gonna turn out like to be like that movie fucking movie Clue. The show up as a bunch of who did it? Like ah, <laughs> it was Sharon Tate with the knife in the library. Oh whatever. brother. Um, what else do I got? Uh, we're pretty much done. I just want to note that. Jared Leto is apparently getting his own Joker movie. <laughs> and of course he is. it was confirmed this week, I think, that Joaquin Phoenix is going to be the Joker in that Scorsese-produced Todd Phillips hang uh, uh, Joker movie. So I just I just don't know. We'll see. This all sound like bad ideas, but yep. uh, maybe they'll two, learn. I don't know. Two. It's the first time we're going to get a, a Joker in more than one. Like... Uh, only one Heath Ledger Joker, only one Jack Nicholson Joker, uh, and we got fucking at least two, if not more, fucking Jared Leto Jokers. This sucks. Yeah. Oh, and one more bit and piece I think is interesting and definitely uh, worth knowing if you don't know it. Uh, James Wan and his production company are remaking Arachnophobia, the 1990, I believe, movie? Yeah. Uh which was produced by Spielberg and directed by Frank Marshall. I would call that a horror comedy, I think. It's pretty goofy, but it's about a bunch of killer spiders that take over a small town, and it starred uh, Jeff Daniels and uh, John Goodman. And uh, Juan is not expected to direct, but he's going to produce. So that is, uh, I don't know. I think that movie was probably a hit back then. I'm sure it'll be, it, it could be a hit now. But they really yeah need... it was I was I was not that into it. Did you like it? I don't. Know I don't. I don't. I, I think I remember. I told you I confuse that movie with Tremors all the time, and like, I don't know. I I remember watching it growing up. I just don't have a vivid memory of like liking it or not. I'll definitely rewatch mm. it before this comes out, though. I'm definitely curious. But uh, as far as remakes go, a movie about a bunch of killer spiders attacking people, uh, I'm like kind of on board. I just I'm afraid it's going to be all CGI and bullshitty. So. Uh, 
who knows who knows yeah i want real spiders or never or, or don't mm-hmm. do it um all right i think it's time to just move on to uh three two one what what did you do? very good uh w- what did you watch okay what did it, where to begin i've seen so much stuff save hereditary uh, for last gotcha uh, I'll hit you with a non-horror one first. For whatever reason, you know, everyone's got like these blind spots where it's like you just, for whatever reason, missed a really like yes. big important movie. You might people you love, right? It's always, it's always just like every once in a while you're like, why haven't I seen this yet? This is like right up my alley. So actually, after our last pod that night, so it's already been like two weeks, but I still remember crystal clear. I finally, for the first time, watched the Michael Mann movie Thief. Oh my James god! Gunn. Yeah, I own that movie on a uh, Criterion Blu-ray. That's fantastic. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Gorgeous. Holy shit! I yeah. don't know why I never. I don't know why I never watched it. It's, it's so well done, and it's like old Chicago. It's just everything about yeah, it. Yeah, that bar it's is kind prominently of featured. Yeah. Holy fuck! Um, and then J- Jim J- Jim Belushi's in it, and he's not annoying. Yeah, uh, that's and weird. James Conn's incredible in it, and it's just yeah. that's probably my favorite man movie. I think it might be. Yeah, it's a uh, it's really great. I'm glad I finally got to see it. And to be honest, I'm glad I watched it now, knowing more about film and him than if I would have seen it like in high school and just been like, that was a cool heist movie. It's it's so good. It's really good. Uh, yeah, definitely one of his best. Uh, it's not his first movie, is it? I think I thought it was, or at least his first like major movie with a major actor. I'll look it up while you keep talking though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, James Conn is a thief. Hence the title of the movie. Specifically, he's into like cracking safes, like breaking in, breaking into safes and get all the money uh, while he's doing it. Um, and oh, and uh, Jim Belushi's like his buddy. He's looking to get out. He's made enough money, and a uh, crime boss guy comes across him and is like, and also at the same time, uh, James kind of has met a girl. He's thinking about settling down and. And he kind of comes up and he's like, hey, you know, why don't you uh, kind of join my syndicate, do like a thing for me, like I'll pay you a lot of money, uh, you and your wife are trying to adopt a kid, you can't do it because, you know, you have a record, but, uh, you know, your wife really wants a kid, I'll get you a kid, kind of that sort of weird thing, like, you want a kid, I'll get you a kid, this thing yeah. of like, <laughs> like, if you do business with me, it'll be really easy, and also, like, I am this guy who has so many connections in the city, if you ever got busted, I got enough money to bail you out and get a, you'll never spend a second in jail, kind of like too good to be true, of course, it's like, all right, fine, fuck it, I'll do it gets you know helps him out gets and then eventually like uh so you see james Kahn having like a house in the suburbs he's got the baby he's gonna do this thing it's all going really well they do the job in the middle of the movie and it's the typical i think it's john houston said this like the typical like the first half of the movie is leading up to this uh this uh heist and the second half of the movie is the fallout after the heist right he does it spoiler alert because this movie's been out for you know 36 years <laughs> he does and let's add the money there's supposed to be like the money that he was going to just like retire on let's say it's like you know like a million dollars over back then that, that was like a lot of money sure he does it after it's done he goes to pick up his money and the guy's like yeah here's a couple like a uh, hundred thousand he's like where's the rest of it? he's like eh, don't worry about it. i invested it i'll pay you a little bit later i do all this stuff he's like no, no no i want all my money now and he's just like no you're not getting it all now like you do what i do and pretty much like clashes with this boss guy and then it's just like fallout or pretty much he has to uh you know burn the whole city down to get his money and like you know just like it's an interesting story of like a guy guys goes straight builds a whole life up and then it all falls apart it's re- it's just so well done james Kahn's acting in it is fucking incredible i know and everything about the screenplay is great the way it's shot is great it's patient it's just like it, everything about it is excellent thief uh, is a great it movie. is his debut feature if you can believe that uh, that's that it to me is insane this movie is so stylized i know it's so it's so confidently done you know, uh, uh, also Michael Mann did this hilarious thing where 
you know, there's cops in it and there's bad guys in it. And all the cops are played by actual ex-thieves and all the ex-thieves are actually are played by actual retired cops. I did not know that. That is, that is awesome. so great. So it has this balance of like, you know, like, like, you know, the cops aren't so great in it and they're trying to crack down on James Conn and going after him and they're kind of crooked and beating him up. It's just, it's, but it's like, you know, for a guy, Michael Mann, who, you know, didn't do any uh, crime, I'm assuming. Like he so confidently shows us the world of how these guys operate. And so like the like richly detailed you'd watch this and be like, Oh my God, is Michael Mann himself a, 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 a made guy? I mean, like it's just so artfully done. And I can't believe that a, a first time director was able to make such a, a well-made feature, but that's why he's Michael Mann. Yeah. All right. Horror movie. Uh, also <laughs> right after our last pod, I watched a movie in Shudder just looking for something new that might be good called Dead Body. I don't think it ever went out into theaters. It is a, I don't want to say horror comedy, but like a fun horror movie. Now, granted, I watched this movie when I was really high, but I like, I kind of, like, I thought it was really good. It definitely had its flaws, but I was like, man, this is like an actually a pretty fun movie. So the plot is. Yeah, don't ruin too uh, much, but tell me. I won't general. ruin too much. Oh, but the, the plot alone, when I read the plot, I'm like, oh my God, that's a fucking awesome idea for a movie. So if you ever have played this game called Dead Body, they explain it in the movie, but you probably played a version of it. You know, I think there's one called Mafia. There's one called. Oh yeah, uh, I played Mafia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think it's my basically the idea is that, uh, like a bunch of friends. The movie's about a bunch of friends. It's like get a together. murder mystery game. Yes, like a parlor. They call it a parlor game, in it, right? Where everyone gets a piece of paper and it says either you're like a killer or an innocent person. Right. So then everyone goes and hides. And then whoever the killer waits like a minute and comes out and looks and basically tries to tag or find someone. And if you find the person, so if like the killer finds you while you're hiding and tags you, you lay down dead and then the killer will go hide again. So after a little bit, everyone else, including the killer, if they want to, can kind of like start walking around the house to look. And again, like you risk being caught by the killer. But if you find a dead body, you the, the, the person who got quote killed you go dead body and everyone comes out and then you got to kind of figure out who the killer is you vote on it if you're wrong then everyone goes back and then you keep doing it over and over again etc cetera, etc cetera. make sense and anyway, yes. they play this game in the cabin but guess what People it's really happening start, are dead and also they set it up in a way that like everyone knows each other but kind of doesn't know each other yeah. so right away they're like this person's fucking dead. We got to get out of here. I'm not going with you. Where were you? Where are you? He's upstairs. Dude, isn't that a good idea for a movie? Well, you know what? It's the horror equivalent of the movie of the comedy Game Night that just came out. It's the same mm-hmm. premise. It's where they, they think they're playing a murder mystery game, but the, the guys actually no, got but, kidnapped. But in this one, right away, people are like, holy shit, this person's actually fucking dead. Right. But they're all like... Well, who did it? So they keep kind of like they, they're like, I think it's you. I think it's you. Well, fuck you. I'm going with fuck you. And then they kind of separate, and then another person shows up dead. And then so now it's like this weird thing of like we got to work together to figure out who the killer is. But at the same time, I don't trust any of you. So it does a good way of like like making the game real. It's a, it's very clever. Now I will I will preface this by this one. Joey was very high when he watched this movie. Two, <laughs> there's a lot of that because it's all like kind of like teenagers or young adults in the movie, a lot of preamble of like how we know each other, what we're going to be doing now that we've graduated, all that shit. It takes them a while to get to the dead body game. But once they do, I'm like, this is pretty funny how they're like, they're handling this very well. So, you know, it definitely has its flaws for an indie movie that couldn't have cost more than like, if I'm, if I had to guess 500,000, 
Yeah, it's like, it's like 80, 80 minutes, eighty five minutes. I'm I'm all yeah, about this. Tight. I'll watch this later tonight. Check it out. So so at least uh, at least will yourself to get to when they get to play dead body and then it really picks up. So I enjoyed it. And again, it's it's a, it's a shutter so movie. This so this is this is either an advertisement for that movie or an advertisement for pot and how powerful it is. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So uh so I I enjoyed it. I I recommend it only to horror fans who have the patience to maybe sit through some like terrible. Hey man, this is the last time we're gonna hang out before we all go to college, and I can't believe Judy brought that guy she's dating who seems like so shady. You're the one who's always been in love with her, man. You should say something. Nah, bro, the time's passed. I don't know, man. Like that kind of shit. We're like, all right, all right, I get it. You like her? This guy's a stranger. We don't know who this person is. Get to the dead bodies, and then they do. Nice. Okay. Uh, another one that oh, I finally saw Shin Godzilla. Very good. Isn't very it good. Fucking it's very great. well done. Yeah. A good take, a good take, at a, a good take on a uh, on a Godzilla movie because like when Godzilla comes out of the water, it like continues evolving. Which yeah, is really how smart. how how goofy and stupid did it look at first? It was so funny, like when it was it just was flopping so... around with its goofy yeah, yeah, yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, when that first happened, I'm like, holy shit, is that what it's gonna look like? <laughs> yeah, I know that that's a... really, like that's like really stupid. I really really like that movie, and I describe it as like a Godzilla movie meets. Um, did you ever see that movie In the Loop, where it's just like the political bullshit it's like it's like half political bureaucracy of what would happen if godzilla were to attack somewhere and then half like a really awesome godzilla movie it's great that is great i it wasn't unfortunately the, the one thing about that analogy i will say is like it's not funny at all i thought it was funny like, i was laughing I had, at it it had its moments but i think for the most part it's just a la- like part when they finally figured out how they could maybe do it it did it did like just you know, it was it gets it, it had little trappings of Doctor Strange love, but it was I, I didn't find myself like, laughing that much. I thought no, I, I was other, I was other than you know how bureaucracy is, but I right. just thought like uh, it was just it was just a good a good take a good angle on that type of movie of like this you know natural disaster type movie, but in this case it's like a Godzilla and everyone fighting because like, then they get these points of like we should bomb it, but there's too many people. We should evacuate the city, but it will take too long. This thing's gonna get stronger. And get it, like just like kind of like weighing the options of like. Do we attack now and end up blowing up and killing this many people, or do we wait, hoping that less people die while it's heading towards a more centralized location? Which you know, what I mean, like that interesting mm-hmm. thing of like when you weighing civilian casualties, it's like it's it's just like how do you like what do you do? Like it's just just uh, yeah, the, the tense decisions have to be made. I, I like that; it's very good. All right, uh, two two quick things, real or a couple fast things, real quick. One, I I watched the, uh, that show. Uh, it's uh, Michael C. Hall just put a new show, a newish show on Netflix called oh, yeah. uh, Safe. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. It's actually pretty good. It's 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 definitely got like a broad church vibe to it. Oh, you know, kid kid goes missing. You know, everyone in town, ta- the people close to him are kind of suspects. Uh, crazy shit happened one night, and kind of like you know, people are lying to kind of cover their asses. It's good. It's tight. I mean, you know, I think like ten episodes, thirty minutes a piece. You can definitely knock it out in a weekend. Michael C. Hall actually does a very good job with a, a British accent. So, uh, you know, not much more to say to it than other than if you're looking for a, a a mystery that wraps up after one season, check out Safe. Okay, dude, I finally saw the Blair Witch remake. Yeah, and you you didn't hate it. No, I didn't hate it. it, it I thought it was uh, serviceable. I, 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 uh, I don't say I, I kind of liked it actually. Go on. Uh, definitely starts off annoying. <laughs> definitely takes them like a lot of that. Like, oh god, get to it. When I read, I read something that Adam Wingard 
said about it or what the, the producer said about the movie that I read it before I saw it. So I'm like, Oh, okay. So when I was watching, I'm like, yeah, this makes more sense why they did this. He said the Blair Witch project, the original is about being lost where this Blair Witch movie is about being chased. Huh. And when you contextualize it like that in this movie, the Blair Witch entity is more aggressive in trying to get them. And that's why I think people had a little bit more of like a, 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 a the reaction of like too much actiony stuff is happening in it versus the original Blair Witch where they just kind of wander into deeper, deeper, almost like the Blair Witch sets a trap and lets them walk into it. Right. Where this, where the Blair Witch this remake is more like the Blair Witch is coming after them, which I thought was an interesting way of looking at it. Also, you Who know, said they, that? it was in uh, that. That's my extrapolation of what he oh, said: okay. the, the loss versus uh, being chased. Or I being see. hunted by the witch, and that 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 just fundamentally changes, you know, makes it more of an action movie. Where like where I feel that um, as good as the Blair Witch Project is, they're a bit more passive. Things happen to them, you know what I mean? Sure. Where where in this movie it's like they're they're clearly like it's coming after them. I guess if that's a way of putting it. Uh, I thought it took them a while to get to it. You know, the acting's kind of like hokey or whatever. One thing I thought was laughable was how they were like, oh, we have these earpieces that record everything and then also made it so like, it almost felt like an episode of Peep Show where like the, the characters are like talking to the camera like I'm talking, like they're talking to each other. Right. But man, like once um, once they get like, the, the, the couple gets split up and comes back and they don't trust them and like the second night they, they wake up and it's like there's those little Blair Witch like stick figures fucking literally everywhere hanging from the trees. Like from that moment on, man, it just fucking goes, dude. And like I thought like, there was a, like there were enough sequences. It made it worth it. I wasn't like, whoa, what a great movie. It was like, you know, if this wasn't a Blair Witch movie or if like it, if the pressure wasn't on, like it was fine. Like I, an enjoyable standalone horror movie. Not like the, it wasn't, how about this? It wasn't awful. It was like mm, C plus. Don't you, weren't you annoyed that they set up that drone camera and then did nothing with it? <laughs> well, I think that way it was, a, you know, like, yeah, there's a little bit like, um, yeah, well, the setup was that the girl climbed in the tree to try and get it and then fell and, like, did she die or, like... Yeah, I don't remember. I don't was, know. Like, that part, <laughs> like, right right when they, right when she's, like, when the girl finds, like, the one stick figure in the tree that's made out of her hair and clothes, and she's like, holy shit, and now the girl's like, you probably put this here. And when she breaks it, it breaks her in half, and then they start running, you see the tents just, like, flying. Yeah, that part was the up. best. But that, that sets off the chain of events that just, like, it doesn't let up after that. It's like... Then yeah, the girl- people. I think people that didn't like it even like said, "Well, the last, you know, that last portion is pretty intense." But like, I don't know. I was bored by then. I don't know. There's like, there's some claustrophobic stuff towards the end that's pretty scary. I guess. Oh my god! When she's in the basement in yeah. order to escape, she claws. The- I couldn't, dude. I was like, I was because I thought I didn't know where it was going, but I was like, oh my god, is this how she dies? Is she gonna like just be like stuck in there? You just see her like just being like. Yeah, like she died out of like panic and tried to like crawl through this thing and got too like that was like I was like that's fucking crazy if that's how this girl dies. You know, you also see the witch a couple times, like especially at the end when she's kind of like got those really tall arm like long legs and long arms and kind of like peeks out from that pillar. Like that's pretty scary, I thought. Yeah, all right. It's fine. Like it's fine. Like I won't watch it again. I, I you know, before we were like that's like it's like the worst thing ever and it did so bad, but if anyone hasn't seen it just because you think you're going to see the worst thing ever, I'm going to elevate it to perfectly fine all right i'll i'll allow uh, it i'll uh, maybe then, i'll watch uh, it again maybe i never will who knows and then i don't know uh and not horror related really but i watched fear and loathing in las vegas for like the thousandth time it's still brilliant yeah i like that movie a lot i own I, it's also a criterion release 
So we'll wait to talk to Hereditary till the end. Yeah. So what else? Uh, I saw Ocean's 8, which was... Um, I liked it. I had fun with it. I was expecting it to be bad because, I don't know, the critics, I feel like, were like pretty m- m- like middle of the road on it. Um, I don't know what they were expecting. It delivered everything that I wanted from a heist movie. Um, it's probably the best Oceans movie besides the first one. Like, 12 and 13 weren't great, even though Soderbergh was still involved. Um, it's just weird that they made this movie starring all women and they still let a man direct it. Like a boring one too, like Gary oh. Ro- Gary Ross, who did like the last uh, uh, hung- a couple Hunger Games movies, or at least one Hunger Games movie. Just like some boring, like safe director. Like so, this movie loses a little bit of like you know, Ocean's Eleven's awesome because Soderbergh is such a you know whiz with the camera, and it's really exciting. This like I feel like Gary Ross tried to have like shots that were reminiscent of uh, of Soderbergh, but he just didn't pull them off as well. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Gary Ross directed. Uh, this is this guy's resume: Pleasantville, Sea Biscuit, Hunger Games, and this Civil War movie that no one saw from 2016 called Free State of Jones with with Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they came, uh, the, they came out the same time as Birth of a Nation, right? Yeah, yeah. It and was then Birth too of a Nation was like, got all the hype, and then. Uh, didn't it fall apart because the yeah. the guy who directed was like a rapist or something? Yeah. Sorry, that might it, be what happened. That is what happened. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Pre-Me Too, Me Too situation. Um, and yeah, so Ocean's 8, just really fun cast. I don't know. If you if you saw the trailer and thought, hey, that looks like fun, you will have fun. It's fine. It's very enjoyable. I have no complaints about it. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, for that movie, yeah. if you care. Yeah. Um, they do this weird thing where I was wondering, like, before I went, like, how does this fit into the timeline of the Oceans movies? And it... I would have uh, never thought of that. I would have never even cared. <laughs> I can't believe you thought that. I'm like, that's just one with women. Well, Who gives a shit? it's called Oceans 8, so you assume it's, like, prior or something. But no, it's not. And they make it clear uh, at the top when they announce that Danny Ocean is dead. <laughs> they announce it's 28... They, they make it clear it's 2018 and that... George Clooney's character is dead, which I don't understand why they would do that. Or maybe they're setting up some sequel where he will be the, the greatest con of all. He's not dead or something. Yeah. I mean, what, what can you even believe at this point? Yeah. So uh, I would imagine that's a setup for something in the, in the future and there will definitely be a sequel. And if you're into those type of movies, I recommend it. Um, and then I, yeah, al- I mean, I, I like the first one, something I thought was really interesting where um, I just want to point out, like I, I, I saw someone say something like, about how like the article I didn't read the article but it was the headline was something like how oceans 8 avoided being a like the ghostbusters you know, ma- situation yeah like a magnet for controversy the, the the all female reboot controversy and it kind of alluded to being like yeah you know this marketing strategy this and Sandra Bullock that and and this and that and I just wanted to be like yeah no one's nostalgic for oceans 11 like right that's why it's just like the the whole ghostbusters thing wasn't yuck all women it was all dorky boys who think ghostbusters have to be guys yeah no one's no one's no one's an oceans 11 purist i don't yeah there's no fan it's 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 the again it's like the gamergate culture it's those fucking dorks these Mm -hmm. dorks think they are entitled to shit they're not entitled to yeah but like there's there's no rabid fan base for the oceans yeah also this movie's good and the ghostbusters remake (laughs) as much as as i love paul feig and i love the cast of that movie that movie Mm -hmm. was the most forgettable summer piece of trash i i I just 
It was. I wish it were funny. Like I, I it was mildly enjoyable as a matinee, and I like mm-hmm. can't believe I have someone on my timeline who still to this day, just because it's like you know, I think it's like a cause for women or something. She's still just going to bat for this movie every day, and I'm like, no, no one talks about Ghostbusters anymore. No one cares. Yeah, it's done. It was a great movie. Everyone had been like. Yeah, way was, to go, women! But the movie just sucked. It, just it was sucked. just a bad movie, and like, sorry, it's a bad. It's not. It's not a good movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I saw. Speaking of not good movies, I saw Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, <laughs> which is, is the right? sequel to 2015's Jurassic World, which was made over a billion dollars and was this huge, huge, huge movie. Um, this movie's already out in other parts of the world. Like, it's not out in America yet, but it's out. I believe it just opened in China. And if it didn't, it's open another. It already basically has, what was it? It already has 370 million foreign money, and it hasn't even opened here yet. And wow. its its budget was 170, which is ridiculous. Is this becoming? Is this going to become a trend now with blockbuster movies with open 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 there first? first? Yeah. Well, for the ones, yeah, I don't know. It's it's it, they they do this sometimes. Marvel does it sometimes. Um, I think it's a dumb practice just because like if you wanted to right now, you could go to a torrent site and watch a cam version of one of these movies like yeah i don't, I don't you know what for jurassic park movies though people want to see this shit in the yeah like, they ki- do. like it's a kid's movie i, I don't that's what kids- i have to keep telling myself while watching yeah. this very very fucking dumb movie yeah. because i don't know maybe i don't know if it's like i'm old now and i don't care about this shit anymore but then i know I, you know what i jurassic park was re-released in theaters like i don't know like 10 years ago or something and i saw it oh. and that movie is so awesome and holds up and i yes. think it's partially let us let let us not forget, though, it's based on a book written by a genius. Right. And these ones are just, like, taking the yeah. idea and running. Dinosaurs right are loose. And, yeah, it's like yeah. Jurassic Park is a masterpiece. And the book is incredible. And, and Michael Crichton's a genius. And then Steven Spielberg is also a genius. And ever since then, it's just been, like, a team of who gives a fuck just capitalizing <laughs> on this idea of, like, dinosaurs are real and they're chasing people. Go. Yeah. Well, this one is just, yeah, more of that. Dinosaurs running around, killing people. I also think what made Jurassic Park, the first one, besides the source material, so good is that, you know, there was these amazing practical effects, like these huge, scary dinosaurs that were like, I still remember how scared I was of those. And now it's just in the CGI world. Like, I just, I don't know how anyone cares about them anymore. I just don't know how anyone is, like, excited by watching computer animated dinosaurs do anything like it just like i i just am so taken out of it and this one uh the premise of this movie just from the get-go like maybe they're all i don't even remember the last one that much are they all so like focused on the conservation of these dinosaurs as if they're like a like animal like animal activists like, this movie and in this movie bryce dallas howard is basically like a save the animal activist except for dinosaurs mm-hmm. and it's so fucking stupid to me that anybody like knowing especially in the in the universe where these movies exist and like we've had multiple park failures and people dying and all this crazy shit that these there's people advocating and like lobbying like there's literally the beginning is like them lobbying congress to like not basically the the island that they left them on at the end of the last one Uh uh is is about there's a volcano there and it's about to explode. So they want to get the government to spend money to get them off the island so they can s- save the dinosaurs. And can we just remake more? 
No, well, the whole they stopped making them because of all the disaster. But the ones that survived, they're just like leaving them on this dumb island. It's very stupid. Don't try it to. Also poke... feels like it also feels like yeah. I think evolution is uh, or the planet sending us a message. My like, point hey, is, I killed I killed all of these a billion years ago. You brought them back, and now I'm literally trying to kill them again. I know. Stop saving the dinosaurs, guys. I, I Mother Earth killed them off for a reason. We don't need them. We're fine without them. I don't give a shit about a T-Rex. We don't want him walking around the end. That's my whole point is like, I don't understand their logic at all. And like the whole premise of the movie is just like stupid as fuck to me. So, uh, no interest, no interest in any of these movies. Yeah. I'm, I think I tweeted the only way I would be interested going forward is if any of them are R rated. Like, cause every, this one's basically a horror movie premise wise. I'll tell you in a minute, but Every time there's an amazing kill, it cuts to black because it's a kid's movie. So, like, mm -hmm. everything is ruined. And if this movie was really just dinosaurs fucking people up, it would be awesome. Um, but basically, Congress says no. So they there's some guy, some rich guy, who, like, present, is, claims to be a conservationist and is like, you know, get all the dinosaurs and we'll gather them and, like, we'll save them. But, of course, he has nefarious... It's just the same plot as the last one or, like, and probably the one before that where it's like... These people claim that they're doing X, but they're really doing Y, and they're evil. Um, but the, the, the preposterousness of this one is that the movie, after they get off the island, the whole movie takes place in a house. A giant, a giant mansion where they have... Oh, the, the guy's mansion, I'm assuming. Yeah, so like they ship all the dinosaurs to this guy's mansion. And of course, there's like a subterranean uh, level of the house that uh, they house all the dinosaurs at and then they have an auction with all these evil people from all over the world who are basically trying to buy these rare dinosaurs so they could um turn it into like like m militarizing it or something just the mm -hmm. most evil shit you can think of um so it's just so dumb they take all these dinosaurs off of a giant island and put them in a giant mansion. But I think that's the setup for an incredible horror movie. Yeah. And they don't do anything with that at all. Like there's a, there's a few scare sequences, but again, everything is muted because it's a kid's movie. So yeah, I what's just that, what, what, hap what, what happens? What happens in that one part where you see everyone surfing and you see the giant, like crocodile dinosaur kind of like sneaking up. Okay. On the surfers? I'll tell you that. Because this is actually interesting because this is the end of the movie. This is spoiler mm -hmm. alert. Mm -hmm. um, this, what I, the only thing I like about this movie is that it sets up an awesome sequel. Because mm -hmm. by the end of this movie, the dinosaurs are straight up loose mm -hmm. in the world. In, in like America or wherever it is. I think it's yeah. in New York somewhere. Cool. So the next one will be like I, I want to see that movie i want to see the dinosaurs running around new york and fucking people up that sounds incredible i feel like we've been promised that type of movie like so many times before i feel like you've right? only seen like the i've only seen like the first three but like so jurassic park comes and goes and the second one i was like we're going back to the island and then eventually a t-rex makes it back to the mainland and i was like kind of teasing like oh they're coming to they're coming back and we got to stop before they go it's like that's we've we've wanted that for so long. I just feel like until they give me like dinosaurs loose and fucking whatever Florida or some shit, like I'm just gonna be like like genuinely loose and almost like you know a, a T Rex is running through Miami and we got like that that mega well, yeah, dinosaur no, that made the, the last one. You know, like, give me that. 
Yeah, well, that's what this one is setting up, allegedly. I think it's hilarious that it took two movies to get here because this one is it like you could throw this entire movie out and just skip to the end. And that I think it would be better because <laughs> it's, it's just it's entirely superfluous. And the yeah. only reason this part exists is so the next one can exist. And yeah. of course, it's going to make a billion fucking dollars. So like right. they win. <laughs> It'd be like if, if, it's if just the destruction is if the destruction on the level of like a. Uh of uh, the Transformers movies, where it's just an hour and a half of destroying a city. I'm down for that. That's what the next one should be, yeah. And it's what this one should have been, because this one's completely, completely forgettable. Doesn't need, mm-hmm. like, literally, it takes place in a house. It's, it's, it's could it could have been a scene in the next one. Yeah, like, that's so funny. Hey, this island's, this island's blowing up. Let's get these dinosaurs somewhere else. That's a scene. Instead, it's a whole movie. Oh, well. Also, they do a lot of, they do a lot of Trump jokes. Ugh, enough. Uh, it's really lame. Yep. I'm trying to remember what else is notable about it. Uh, nothing really. It's very forgettable. It'll make a fuck ton of money. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not excited for the rest of them. Nah. What else yeah, you see, buddy? I think buddy? that's all I saw. Oh, you want to talk about Hereditary now? Uh, bef- Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, So I finally saw it. And it's what great. Did you think? <laughs> I, I loved it. I mean, it, it was excellent. Uh, Mo and I both thought it was. It, it was. We really. We. I enjoyed it at various levels when we first saw it. But the next day, we were like most people, texting each other back and forth, all types of little clues and tidbits and stuff that uh, that you know helped explain some of the stuff. I, I, I'll admit I was a little confused about some stuff, especially at the ending when I left. You know, Jared Jeffries. What were Jeffries, you confused about? Well, I'll get that in a second. But Jared Jeffries, a fan of the uh, the pod and. Uh, been a guest a few times, you know, before I even saw it, he's like, dude, like I've seen it three times. You're going to love it. I wish I could see it again for the first time. So just knowing that I went in my, you know, my fault, I just went in going to, to see a movie that's like, okay, this is supposed to be like really layered and deep and great. So I kind of like made it homework for myself watching it, you know? So I'd like to see it. I'm looking forward to seeing it a second time. Now that I know what happens to kind of like take in all the like yeah. subtle clues and things that like I miss. Cause it's really, it's really tight, but it doesn't like beat you over the head. It didn't beat you over the head with like, okay, remember this thing for later. It's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, once things kind of unfolded, especially like the next day when I was thinking about it, I'm like, Oh shit, that one thing that person said that that was related yeah, to this. But when, or, you or, like, do, when you do see it a second time, you uh-huh. will notice they do set up a lot of stuff very early. Oh, I'm sure it's it's very smart in the sense of like, you you think you're watching a story where it's about like, oh, my family was so crazy, and my mom was so crazy, and we have mental illness issues, and they check out this crazy stuff they did, and then when things we look back on it, you're like, oh, okay, that was that was because it was like basically a botched attempt to bring this demon to life with her previous family, you know, which is a very interesting, um, and so you don't really re- realize that right away. And what I liked about it was one of the many things I liked about it was there wasn't a part like at the end when someone's like, oh, that's what that was all about. You know, a character who kind of like is basically going that all that stuff was because of this. It's just like you have the very small story about this family and all this crazy stuff and details that are like woven into the entire story that at one when you're watching it the first time, you think it's just coloring this very sad family with a sad history of mental illness and, and potentially some hauntings. And then once it's done and you kind of think about it, you're like, Oh, wait a second. Like it, it, there, there was more meaning to that or the meaning of what it meant was, uh, 
was not what I originally uh, uh, thought it was. And that makes it like a richer experience. You know, this movie didn't, uh, what I liked about it overall is like, it didn't treat us like idiots. It didn't like take time to stop and explain like, well, here's what this book means. And I guess this means this and that and all along this, da, 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 da. just like it goes. And then what seemingly is a out of nowhere ending really makes total sense when you really think about it after the fact. Yes. Um, I Tony Collette's, Tony Collette's performance. I mean, it's on level with, uh, uh, what's um, I was possessed. You, oh, okay, sure. I thought you were gonna say like Jack yeah. Nicholson in The Shining or something. Just like it is that level of performance. Just like batshit crazy. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, not not possessed. I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Who's the guy? The, the director that I really like. Uh, Isn't it uh, Zalewski? Yeah, Zul- you're talking about possession. Z- Zalewski's possessions. Yeah, I said yeah. possess. Yeah, possession. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is Isabel Isabel uh, Adriana. I think is her name. I mean, yeah. that movie, I mean, she's famous for basically having to be hysterical for an hour and a half. And that performance, like, put her in an insane asylum for real for years because she was just, like, emotionally drained from, try- from you know, doing that performance. You know, a year of being hysterical, you know, 12 hours a day. And I don't, I don't know, even with, with Tony Collette's performance, I just thought that I'm like, she really is, like, her nerves are just shredded from, like, the first scene. And it just go- goes from bad to worse. And they even have the moment in the movie where you just see her, like, snap and become like this you know possessed thing uh which was just incredible her performance is amazing in that and i think that she definitely deserves an oscar nom for that like it was just dead alone I'm just like oh my god she's incredible in this movie yeah um yeah uh you guys talked about it a lot uh in the last episode so i feel that like um one thing i know one thing that jumped out at me i think it was uh was it jordan is his name the yeah, guy was on the show jordan hoffman you know, you guys, you guys kind of like uh, touched on a little bit of like this idea of like that uh, the guy who made Hereditary was his name, Ari Aster. Ari Aster, like he kept harping on the thing of like, oh, you know, Ari Aster was saying that he uh, didn't he want to make re- a horror movie. Is every time, or about? just said it would just made a movie that he knew, wrote a movie that he knew he would get made, and kind of implied that maybe like right. his heart wasn't. I think that's baloney. I mean, every yeah, movie. I said the made, same thing. I think it's yeah, every point. movie is made by someone who wants to move their career forward and make money, and you know, like. Fucking that's Night of the Living Dead's the same way. It's like get real. Like I mean, if the if the guy wrote a movie, he's just like, well, this people will make this. It's like he didn't try to make a good movie, and I think that that to me kind of explains why this movie is so like left of center. That it it, it more uh, references like Bergman movies, you know, than it does right. like you know typical horror movies. That that story he has about at the screening when someone's like, are you like something about like Tobe Hooper or uh or uh what was it the director uh. uh Romero and he yeah. was just kind of blew it off. He's like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. You know, more of these movies. Good. We need we need people from we need more outsider perspectives, i.e., Jordan Peele's of the world to be like, yeah, I'm not a horror guy, but I'm gonna try to, but I'm a a fan of cinema and stories, and I'm gonna make an attempt to make a horror movie in a way that I haven't seen. You know that quote that he had had about like what really scares him. And one of the things is like you know hurting someone in his family or doing something that like he can never be forgiven for, and the, and the blowout from that like. I've never heard anyone say that before. Yeah, and that's People, fucking terrifying. About, but it's but it's also like really not refreshing because I don't want the guy to like, you know, feel bad, but like most people like write horror movies from a thing of like, what kind of monster can it be? Or well, how can I scare teenagers but him to be like right. the, the basis of like the scariest thing for me is like hurting a loved one and not being ever forgiven for it. So I'm a movie like that. It's like, wow, geez, like most people who feel that way would make a drama. You know what right. I mean? Right. But he he chose and and you know, where I think where Hereditary succeeds the most is, I mean, this movie's incredibly patient. And uh-huh. I was in the theater, and the first hour, I was loving it the whole time, but even the first hour of the movie, I'm kind of looking around the crowd of theater being like, I can't believe this many people are, like, 
still invest. It, oh, I know. It's incredible. Them, but but it's, it's like right? making as much money as it is. Yeah. It's so, it's like, it's such a slow burn and so patient and I love it. But man, like you see like, like with teenagers in the audience, like couples coming to see it. I was looking around being like, I was like, I kind of feel like any minute now people are just going to start like mumbling and talking and walking Well, that's out. what happened. I mean, it has a D plus cinema score. That's exactly what you're talking about. Like that's, that, uh, that's the reaction that the people who were expecting, uh, you know, uh, the, the dumb slasher horror movie or the new exorcist, which by the way, watch the exorcist. It's like, it's like it's terrifying similar. But yeah. what it's about, but it's like, there's not a lot of gore in it. There's only like a handful of like, and it's long as moments, fuck. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's very long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think just, I, the, yeah. the, 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 his, his first time writer director, like, you know, the, I was talking about thief earlier and Michael Mann's like the confidence in which he attacked this movie, the details of it, the, the, the strength and specific specificness of his voice. I know they say he's like, he's written 10 scripts before or whatever, but like just for a first time director, it's just like, Holy shit. Like this guy had seemingly every detail of this thing dialed in. And even if he doesn't, even if he's like a James Cameron, he's like, yeah, this means this and that. Even if he wants to play the, like, well, I just wrote something that I thought would uh, sell. It's like, it's clearly, it taps a personal nerve for him and that permeates through literally everything in this movie which makes it so remarkable Did, yeah do you still have questions um i wonder if yeah i mean like I, I one of the main things that i didn't connect in is what the significance of her making miniatures of like this of neither house but like different places yeah. they go and that like how that really ties in with like i have an story. answer for you oh yeah hit me what, what's um, up with that? Here's an actual quote from Ari Aster. Uh, mm -hmm. The detailed reproduction she makes of traumatic events in her life initially serve as catharsis, then eventually document the decaying state of her fragile mind. Oh, that's actually not a quote from him. Here's a quote from him. Uh, where is it? Uh, according to Ari Aster, the miniatures are meant to signal that the characters are like dolls in a dollhouse without agency or control over their circumstances. Yeah. Ooh, so, that's really good. So his whole thing, and I have, I have more on this, but he basically is like, he, in his mind, he made a Greek tragedy. And here, here's where we go. Uh, mm -hmm. In an early scene, if you remember, like uh, the, they're talking about free will when Peter's in, in school. Yep. Um, yeah. And he, there, someone asks Ari, are you saying this family has no free will? And he straight up just says, yes, absolutely. I see the film as being very Greek in that sense. This is absolutely inevitable. The family has absolutely no agency. And uh, someone mm -hmm. asked, is there is nothing, so there's nothing Annie can do to stop this from happening? And he says, no, I don't think so. That's where the dollhouse came in. Annie creates these miniature figures in dollhouses, and they serve as a perfect metaphor for their situation. They're dolls in a dollhouse being manipulated by outside forces. Any control they try to seize is hopeless. Wow, um, that's really smart. I like that. Yeah. Uh, is that why she thinks she can stop it by burning the Charlie's notebook? Uh, the first time she tries to catch his fire, but the second time her husband catches fire? He says, exactly. Even that scene is meant to play as Annie's big redemptive moment. She's going to sacrifice herself for her son. It's a beautiful gesture. But part of the cruel logic of this movie is that it's an empty gesture. Ultimately, it's not her choice to make. She thinks there's a design here that can, she can end things as she sacrifices herself. But there's no design and there are no rules. There's malicious logic at play. Um, he's, I, I, yeah. I think, I think it was pointed out possibly by Mo that, uh, but that book was like, it was cursed. And that's why when she was so when she originally tried to burn it, that's why she started on fire. And she illogically connected with if the book burns, I burn. But really what it meant was whoever burns the book burns. Right. So I guess I, I, I guess like what he says, like a sinister. There, there's still logic to why that happens. I don't buy what just being like it was going to happen regardless. What? Not whoever burns the book, but whoever stands in the way of the, what? what? Hang on. The husband was standing most in the way mm. of the ritual taking place. Okay. I see. Okay. 
Gotcha. Yeah. So I guess it does kind of go, fall in line with what he had said in the quote. Um, and then but, he, he goes on a little more. He uh, Someone said, uh, early on, Charlie cuts the head. This is from Variety, I believe, actually, in an interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, Charlie cuts the head off a pigeon and makes a strange figuring out of it. Can you elaborate on that? I don't want to be too obvious, but we find later that Charlie has been building these figurines to populate a diorama she's been building that serves as a shrine to Payman. It also functions as a metaphor for what uh, Payman is doing to his family. To this family, if you look at the diorama, you see there are headless figurines bowing to a pigeon-headed creature with a crown on its head, which is not far from what we're left with in the end. Um, I know, yeah, I, 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 I did hear that. I'm like, oh, I don't remember that, so I want to go back and watch it to, oh, yeah, to look for that part. Oh, yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah. And then this is the most interesting thing, I think, that I – it was a question I had at the end of the last podcast, which is, was there ever a Charlie, or is she payment from the moment she's born? And he says, from the moment she's born. I wow. mean, there was a girl that was displaced at some point, but she was displaced from the very beginning. And the and, reason that she couldn't be Pyman is because she was a girl? Right. Uh, so Annie talks about how her mother got, quote, her hooks into Charlie at an early age. Are we meant to think that Charlie is in on it? So she says Charlie is the first successful host for Payman. It's transferred from Charlie to Peter at the end uh, because Payman yeah. wants a male body. And exactly. And also what I loved about it was like the most vulnerable and that you, it was interesting how like you later realize that it was the, the accident and her death was orchestrated, but specifically orchestrated where he felt like he was responsible. Like they just didn't kill the girl. Like someone else didn't do it and be like, whoops, she's dead. Like right. they pulled the strings. So he would think that he was to blame for it, which would just like make him, even wreck more him. Vulnerable. Yeah. 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 And I liked how, when she'd said uh, her earlier family, obviously she talked about her brother killing herself uh-huh. and like that at her mom. But also there was a, a note in there like, and her father starved himself to death. Yep. And I took that as, the father being so strong-willed that he'd rather die, like he probably knew what was going on, yeah. but was so strong-willed that he could starve himself because he wouldn't relent, give in because that could have made him like the host for Pyman. Same thing with Joan's uh, son and grandson that she says died. Like every male that you know dies in this circle is just like was trying to be Payman or like something yeah. happened. So yeah, do, there's yeah. All, this, all these layers to it. And there's also this quote, uh, fuck, I hope I had it. He was talking about like the seance scene and how like it, you think it's this um, big important thing, but it's also a misdirection. Like it was which it, seance scene? Just like the first one where oh, with uh, the with the with the mother, father, and son. Yeah, right. Well, or with, the one with that one the, with the uh, first one with 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 uh, Joan. So here's yeah. the question: um, Could it have been prevented if she just hadn't been tricked into casting the spell given to her by Joan? And he said, the thing is, that scene is ultimately uh, a red herring, and it's a piece of misdirection. It plays as a seance scene, but really it's a much darker conjuring, and they need Annie to take part in it in order to bring it in the house. Mm. Um, Hold on. My computer just fucking froze. Uh, God damn it. Did you lose a recording? No, no, no. Just on the webpage. Okay. I'm just trying to get this quote. Yeah, but that totally makes sense, because then, like, who knows if that seance was even real just to get her to try one in the house. Right, here. Uh, so, yeah. to take uh, the, It's part of a much darker conjuring, and they needed Annie to take part in it in order to bring it to the house, in order to further this ritual along. When she invites it in, she escalates things. But it would yep. have happened anyway. We're just seeing how it happened. We're seeing one of the ways it could play out. He is, just, he is just so steadfast on this is the, inevitable, yeah. the inevitability of it, which I think means he's this movie is really the allegorical look at mental illness if you want it to be, you know, it's just yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It, it, it all still tracks about like yeah. how it can like, it ripples through a family and destroys everyone. 
in it. I mean, the father, the fact that the dad who was the one of the, who's just like the sanest one who like is his forever patient with his wife and children literally is just like when he's just finally like, all right, I've had enough of this dead caught in fire dead. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it, the, the, the blowout is just like total to everyone. What was the, uh, reason for, um, the, the dead grandmother's corpse in the, in the, um, in the attic. It's just part now, of the ritual, I think, is what I read. Like the the cult put her there. It was just part of her instructions. I don't mm-hmm. I don't quite know. Because then at the end, not only the mother but also the Tony Collette's character and the grandmother are now both headless, bowing before him. So I'm assuming right. the, the decapitation has something to do with it. And it was it was Charlie's head that was in the dummy in the treehouse at the end with the crown on it, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. So I thought, yeah. yeah. Right. Because so, that was so, payment before, and. I, I don't know. There's a lot of people speculating, like, was because Charlie was payment, like, was she ever have her own autonomy? And was she like fighting this demon or like, was this demon just like half controlling her? I don't think that's ever really. No one's really. I don't, had I don't think it's relevant. I kind of yeah. take it like almost like um, she might have if she was to become older and become into an adult, she maybe would deeper understand what is going on with her but as a kid i think she probably was just like and you know what like a child with a mental illness just only knows right. their reality and assumes that's how it is you know i can assume if you have a kid who has who's like say we'll just go depressed because that's the most popular one they don't now walk around going oh i'm depressed they're just right. are that's right. how they feel it. And I, and I feel that she, that's what's so good about it is you see this girl, you're like, oh, this poor girl, like what's wrong with her? She's like sad. Is she depressed? Is she bipolar? Like, but she's too young to really know that. So, and the parents are just more like, oh, why are you walking away? Why are you acting like this? Why aren't you more social? Just kind of like haven't gotten to that point yet. The parents would get where they're like, I think we need to take our daughter to a specialist. It was just like, oh, this girl is weird, but that's like, she's probably, battling something inside of her that she doesn't quite understand or has no capacity to understand. Right. And then, cause, cause like, for instance, like, cause if it was the Paymon character was in it and knew that it couldn't survive in this girl, it would have tried to kill. Like when you see the end, how she dies, where she's like suffocating and sticks her head out the window to breathe. Like it's clear, like she wasn't, she wasn't trying to kill herself. At least I don't think. Right. You know what I mean? It yes. was clear that, you know, and also like, although it was a beheading, like, it was more set up to be like she was going to suffocate from the peanuts anyway, analogy anyway. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It was inevitable. That's the whole point. Yeah. So, it's but that, I mean, like, if, 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 that's why I say, like, I don't think it was a consciousness of the Paimon inside the, the host because it would have just, like, at any moment been like, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. going to go in my bedroom and shoot myself and then, you know, yeah. leave a suicide note that says I did it because I hate my brother or something like that, you know, like, yeah. So, but I, 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 but I think that there's another, like, issue there of, like, understanding. I mean, the, hey, the boy. He's like he thinks he's going through this emotional breakdown when really he's being manipulated. Yet another person who's dealing with something inside of himself that he doesn't quite understand. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. so. It's it, I like how it takes adolescence and potentially the developing of mental illness in children, teenagers, and uses that as like I think we're all familiar with to like make it about actually like a horror movie in possession. That's a very clever way to do that. Yeah. I, I am fully in love with this movie. It's great. Yeah. It was, it was great. I, I thought, um, it managed yeah, def- to live up to like insane hype, which is, crazy yeah, yeah. it was just so, yeah, it was so well done. I can't, I, I'm really excited to watch it again, but I'm not going to watch it again in the theater. Cause I was too, there was too much. Like you guys talked about the podcast last week, but I felt there's too much laughing, too much like 
and you know like people just trying to like you know everyone yeah. goes to the theater makes, makes it about them these days so i felt like i really want to watch it just well that's why I i'm lucky i saw it at a screening room the first yeah. time and then nighthawk the second time I feel like it's a. It, I, I will enjoy it and feel it's a lot scarier the second time if I just watch it by myself. Did I? Did you hear on the podcast when I said the second time I couldn't help but fucking weep during the 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 beheading scene? I just it was so bizarre to me. That was my reaction to it because the first uh -huh. time I was shocked. I mean that yeah. scene the first time you see it that changes everything. It's just yeah. horrifying and terrifying and the way the camera lingers. But yeah, I the second time I was just overcome with like emotion for the family because like the whole I'm trying to remember someone I read. Oh, this guy I follow on Twitter who writes really great blogs, uh, Bill Ryan at Face You Hate on Twitter. He, Good call, Bill. Yeah, he wrote that there's this interesting cut that happens after that scene. It's like, you know, it cuts from Tony Collette crying in her bedroom to Tony Collette mm -hmm. later crying at the funeral. And yep. he just made an interesting point to be like, that is a shot that they only use for comedies and like comedic effect. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, no, something, which one? just like something, say something in a shot. It's like the joke is that the same thing that happened in this shot is now happening at a later uh, shot at a later yeah. date. And like, I, I, I get what he was saying. And I thought it was so interesting to take that and treat it in a horror way like yeah she's crying here and here she is days several days later still crying yeah and the effect was like fuck it's so this brutal. guy this guy this guy's a director did an amazing job with the editing seemingly like employing so many tricks or so many like visual things and like cuts and edits and ways of doing things that even though we've seen like a thousand times like he made them his own I love you guys have talked before about like how like there's so many transitions where it's just like yeah yeah this like like click like just like the next one it's like it's 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 so effective I and mean, we've seen it before but it's so effective or um when she was standing over his bed and being like oh I wanted you to be an abortion just like and then like when it cuts back and forth it's like then she's just like dripping wet and they all are and they're screaming and it's it's like it's it's just so like using the edits as a way to like cause some sort of like discomfort or disconnection. But now usually those, ed those aren't the edits that you do for those things. You know what I mean? Like it's usually more of like a framing thing than an editing thing and totally. ling lingering on things for like a long time. And, and Oh man, like when at the end, when he wakes up and he's kind of, I think he's, he's wakes up, he's like looking around and in the background, you see Tony Collette, like crawling across the ceiling, like run past how many fucking times have we seen in something like that in a movie where it's like a huge, like blast of music or a huge sting or something like that, where it's like, you know, that, or like a second later that monster comes out. It's like the fact that he did, and it's completely silent. And then like, there's still a few more minutes before she kind of comes out. It's like, Holy shit, man. Like, yeah, like he, like he just like really like made the editing of this thing, his own opening on pulling in in a dollhouse that like morphs into the opening scene of the movie. And we, and he cleverly starts the movie and ends the movie on the sun, both awakening for a funeral and now awakening as this demon. Like it's so like it bookends perfectly, you know? And like, yeah, when you get into the dollhouse or not the dollhouse, the, uh, the, um, treehouse and it kind of almost feels like a set you know right feels like a uh a, a, a diorama or whatever yeah and the way that everyone's kind of like laid out like 
almost like theatrically, like everyone's on one side of the thing bowing towards him, even though why would they? Cause it's so small, but like, it just has this, like he turns to the camera at the end with the, with the, with the, with the gold light on him. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, this, 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 this kid, like it's, it, it, it's to be seen if he can pull this off again. But as far as like this specific story, he absolutely had the, the confidence to, to like put the feeling of what he wants. Like he's in control the whole time that all those scenes that people keep talking about, like lingering on too long or like cutting to these things. I mean, there's a lot of like really brave, long, patient, calculated shots in this movie that, you know, could you could easily made it the cheesiest thing in the world. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Throughout. Right? There's tons of moments that could like the part, like the part where we said that she's crying on the floor in the bedroom and the camera slowly pans out and it's in the hallway. Yeah. And he's just standing there and shadows his head down. That could have been like that could that could have easily been played for laughs. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's such a, it's such a like specific in the moment. Like it only works if we're on board at that point. There are you know what I mean? So, yeah. And there are so many shocking, what I would say are scary, horrific moments that aren't horror stuff. Like when she yells, like I tried to have a miscarriage about him yeah. and stuff. Like it's just on so many levels, this movie just got under yeah. my skin and it fucked with me like it's the part where he's like all towards him he's like distorted in the uh, in the classroom and like raises his hand and his and oh my like, what god the fuck? I, I mean that, that, again it's another thing we're just like i'm looking back like i can't like that's such a bold thing to do in this movie like how do you like the fact that he made that work like that's so fucking nuts that he's just like and and it was pointed out in some review or maybe it was on the podcast where like you never see him talking about what happened you never see him talking with his friends you never see him talking to a yeah, therapist no, he's a total stoner we're just smoking weed about it that's his only I strategy don't, i like here's my thing though i don't know if he was just a kid like i think it was like really great way in like showing how distraught he is by just showing scene after scene of him just like blankly staring and the look on his face of dread like he looks as terrified at the end when he's in the class as he did when he just first got the accident with his sister you know like it's yeah, like he, he's like this he, blank he's slate. really great in that movie yeah. he's under what it's his best performance a lesser, uh, I think a lesser director or writer would have been like, okay, now we need the scene where he's crying his eyes out. Now we need the scene where he's yelling at his friends. Now we just need the scene where he's just like, you know, at the tombstone. Like the fact that it was like after this, from that moment on, when he, when he gets in the accident, he does like almost nothing except in a dream sequence, argue with his mom in bed and at a dinner table, you know, argue with his mom. Like yeah. that's only, so basically after the tragedy, the only thing he does is like twice fight with his mom right but everything else is like just like this weird not normal normalcy it's like so powerful again that could have easily been like hey why the fuck is this kid just sitting there like you know just like the deep the performance that actor the way it's shot the way it's the way it's directed the way that we, we we don't see all this stuff man like so good so confident so impressive this is a fucking excellent movie Hell yeah. I'm glad you liked as much as I did. Yeah. It's really hard to see stuff after so much hype and it actually yeah. delivers. It delivers. And I feel like there's something else coming out soon that's supposed to be like getting a lot of hype or supposed to be really good. Horror wise? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. We'll have to oh, think about it next week. But next week. Yeah, what are we doing next week? Here's what I want to do. Okay. Uh, Pascal Laguerre, the director of the original. French Martyrs has a new English language movie. It's called Incident in a Ghost Land. The trailer just came out and it's fucking awesome. Where and is it? 
I sent you a link, but don't watch it because it comes out Friday. So let's just watch the movie. Don't ruin it. Okay. Uh, comes out VOD Friday. So we'll watch that. Oh, great. VOD. And then, yes. yeah. And then The Staircase is out. Joe has I watched, watched the first like, 10 episodes of The Staircase. Whatever, the first, the first, whatever, whatever. Yeah, the, the original series. Dude, it rules. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to you about it. But so, when I first saw it, me and my buddy Spencer talked about it for fucking ever. It's one of my favorite true crime series. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, a guy and a very wealthy guy calls 911. This is how it starts off. Oh my God, my wife fell down some stairs. They show up there, horrible head injury, blood everywhere. And right away they're like, yeah, this doesn't happen from falling down a flight of stairs. And it becomes this very long drawn out case where they learn a little bit more about him, his past, what their relationship was. She was very wealthy. I don't believe he was. Uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff that gets uncovered. It's true. It really happened. What makes this thing unbelievable is right when the case happened or went to trial, this French documentary French TV station documentary crew went out and documented the defense, documented him building the case, his lawyers trying to figure out what is true, what is not, the investigating they do. So it's this incredibly in-depth, in-the-moment documentation as it happens. We see it happen. When they find, there's so many bombshells of like clues and and testimonies and stuff in this thing, and you literally find out as it's happening, like in real time in the show, it's so good. And I and I can say like when I was watching it, like every episode, you'll be like, "Whoa, he did it!" And every episode, you'll also be like, "There's no way he did it." Like you you don't wow. know to the end, and the verdict fucking floored me. Like I couldn't when it got to the end, the verdict I was like, "I can't believe it." But be careful not to Google it because you'll I won't. Know. I won't. So what um, happened so, here? So good. And why I'm talking about it now is because Netflix, not only did they acquire the French whatever miniseries that it was, but they commissioned or bought the follow-up. So there's three new episodes that Joe hasn't seen. Yeah, maybe I'll watch those. Yeah, and I, yeah, definitely watch those if you can. And then I'm going to try to watch as many of the rest of it as I can. And we could uh, maybe talk about that next week. But yeah, definitely it's watch great. Incident in a Ghost Land. And as much of the staircase as possible. And mm -hmm. this was a two-hour and five-minute episode. Uh, we're back, baby. We love to talk. <laughs> Get the gab. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. I've learned that death is not the end of the new flesh. Mom, the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back.